Devour the podcast is for mature audiences only. to Devour the Podcast, episode 120. I am your host, David, along with me is Jamie. Hello. With us, as always, is Bo. Hello. <laughs> and joining us this evening is Ashley. Hello, everyone. Yay, Ashley's here. Hey. Yay. Thank you for having me. Of course. So, Ashley, please tell the people about what you do and who you are, because I'm terrible about introductions. <laughs> I'm mostly just a writer from Philadelphia. I started Graveyard Shift Sisters, which is a online scholarship and get to know women of color who are part of the horror community. You do a lot more than that. <laughs> <laughs> you just yeah. you just stopped talking, but <laughs> you do a lot more than that. Right. Oh, yeah, that I seemed to that. sell it all short. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, which I mean, and that is that is uh, I'm not underselling that. That is amazing. But. I know that you do talks. Um, of course, there's the podcast, uh, mm-hmm. Girls Will Be Ghouls, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, Pretty modest about talking about myself. So, <laughs> well, okay, then I'll talk about you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've actually known Ashley for a while, and uh, we were in Viscera Tiffin for uh, together for a bit. <laughs> And that's when I first learned how uh, incredible she was and how dedicated to the genre. And then I'm so pleased. Uh, every time I hear about you doing something else, I just it it makes me so excited uh, that you continue the hard work and you do really you do really good things. You do, and I'm I just I love that you're here because uh, this is something that should have happened a long time ago. Well, Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm a longtime listener. I think I've been listening since you started, David. So. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we've talked about having you on before. I don't know. Just scheduling stuff happened, so. But now it's here. That's gonna be we're amazing. You, we're, you, we're usually so good about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, she's been listening for a long time. She knows. <laughs> yeah. She knows she how things work or don't work around here. Um. <laughs> but um. I actually, um, I had wanted to reach out to you after I listened to the Women in Horror um, Black History Month special. Yeah. And I wanted to tell you, thank God I am not the only one. And I think, well, and David too. (laughs) We're not the only ones who were not crazy about XX. Because uh, when I started listening to that episode, and especially knowing like how I met you and what I was like, man... I'm just like I'm gonna. I'm about to look really bad for not liking these movies. <laughs> <laughs> and then I to the show, and I was like, oh, oh, thank God, I'm not the only one. 
<laughs> no, you definitely weren't. Um, I watched it with a couple of friends and we were kind of, and they were, I think they were more forgiving than I was. And I was just kind of silently judging them for liking it more than me. Because <laughs> I just thought it, I just, that was just a, I kind of thought that movie was a mess. And I thought some, some segments were better than others, but overall it was really weak. And I'm not afraid to say it. <laughs> So, but I do, but I was strongly anticipating it being something really great. And then it kind of wasn't. Yeah, I agree. And um, I think Zena was the one who said that it, uh, it came off as like a gimmick and that, that I, I really agree with as well. I felt like when I was watching those films that this was, that it was kind of like, these are what movies that women make should be like. And I, I don't, I, and I can't remember if it was her or you who said, you know, looking forward to a time when it's not about, like, it doesn't rest on the fact that they're made by women when it, when they're just good horror movies and that's what, that's what's important about them. Right. Yeah. And that, that and was, I, I felt no, like it didn't happen here. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's a good point. I don't know if either me or Zena said that. I don't remember, but I do. I, we we pretty much agreed that entire episode, so which is rare, but it was good. I you know I I obviously I am a dumb guy, and as such cannot speak to the the plight of women in horror. I mean, you both you guys do that much better than I, and please forgive me for calling you guys and praising you. <laughs> uh, but but the point is watch that... those microaggressions though <laughs> i know i know uh i don't want to be a cuck uh i don't know i'm not even <laughs> sure what that is so but but when i watched uh double x um first of all i i was surprised that uh, ice cube was not in it i was <laughs> led to believe that that was the case but um i i didn't feel like any of those films maybe with the exception of the one about the mom and her devil baby. Um, I, other than, other than that, I didn't think any of them were, were particularly female centric. I, I suppose. Uh, and I, I didn't feel like it was a movie that was leaning into the fact other than the gimmick being, Hey, these are all horror directors that are female. I didn't think any of the films were like, you know, well, nobody but a woman could have made this kind of, kind of stuff. And I mean, I don't think it was great. I thought it was okay, but I, I just didn't feel like it, there was anything overtly political about that movie other than the concept. You know what I mean? Well, not really. I, I, I mean, I agree with that. I, I do feel like, for instance, the birthday party one, it, it, and, and the first one with the box, uh, which I thought that one was great. I thought that um, was really cool. I, I, I think that they attempted to. I felt like there was something they were trying to go for there as far as like maybe a, a, a family or something from a, a woman's point of view. I just don't feel like it made an impact. I'm, you know, and then um, I don't know. I just I was not I was not impressed. And it made me sad because I was really looking forward to that. And uh, then on the complete other end of the spectrum, the other movie they talked about uh, for that show was Get Out, um, which, by the way, is that entire show is fantastic. I recommend it to people. If you've never checked out their show before, you should. And uh, I don't think that's a bad place to start because those are two really good discussions. And um, 
Get Out being one of my favorite films of the year. Uh, I, just, I was so excited about that movie and I was so excited that it was as good as it was. Like I wanted it to be so good and then it was so good. And it just, and the fact that it has made so much bank makes me happy because it just sort of blew the doors off. And I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. It just, yes. And that is a good film. It's a good film made by a person of color, but that doesn't, I mean, it's just a good film, you know? So Mm -hmm. it, um, I don't know. I cannot wait to see what else he does. I, I just, I just, Oh my God, he gets horror. Like you, I just, I think that was what everyone was like, well, he's a comedy guy. He doesn't, you know, how's he going to get horror? He gets it. He gets it. And like, you wouldn't believe he gets it. And, um, that just makes me so thrilled. Um, also, I really hope, uh, I mean, one of the things you guys mentioned was hopefully that it will open some doors. I hope it does. I would like to see more stuff, uh, more stuff from different voices like that. And hopefully that will get people to realize, yeah, other people out there do have voices and they can be really fucking good. I hope it does, too. There are some sprinkles of news I'm seeing about certain people who are relatively well-known in the industry. Like, you know, there's a filmmaker, Dee Reese and and Justin Simeon, and they're working on genre projects, which I think is really great. Dee Reese is, um, she did a film called Pariah a couple of years ago, and it was a coming-of-age story about a black lesbian. And I think her concept that she pitched to Jason Bloom was to have, like, you know, a lesbian couple, kind of a cabin in the woods scenario, and kind of, like, you know, uh, switch it up a little bit, I guess. Just kind of, you know, um, have, like, these these um, genre uh, techniques that were fam- or, or themes that we're familiar with, but do something different, especially as far as representation. So hopefully that's a project that will be green-lighted and more stuff like that will come out where you see different people and get those perspectives that you know we talked about i hope so i get the problem with a film like that though could just be that as soon as shit starts to go down they both get the hell out because <laughs> they're not morons <laughs> it'd be a very short film they're like <laughs> well but that, that that's kind of the genius about the movie get out is part of that movie is about the tension of when as a normal human being do you get the fuck out of that house and and kind of when he does, you know, like that's the the real tragedy of that movie, you know, for uh, for the main character is that like he leaves when he should. It's just too late. Um, but anyway, like the social mores and 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 grace of like, hey, I've been invited oh, yeah, to to he's my girlfriend's real parents' house. Hard to be polite, like he's trying mm-hmm. so hard. <laughs> right, and and like just from a human point of view, like it it's every party I've ever been to in my life of like, I don't, <laughs> I don't like what I'm seeing and hearing here. And how do I bow out of this gracefully without offending anybody? Right. But also I want to get the fuck out of here. So yeah, yeah. Get out. some fantastic movie. It's probably, I don't know. Get, you know, best movie of the year is definitely in the discussion for sure. Yeah. That's what made get out. So successful is the, because Peel was able to kind of create this create this character and his dynamic with particularly with Rose. So, it, like, yeah, he could have gotten out, you know, five minutes with um in the, in that uncomfortable atmosphere that her father was projecting onto him. But 
it was that it was that chemistry and that love that he had for Rose that like you know because there are a lot of people in my I saw it a couple of times and the but the first audience was mostly a black audience and they were kind of saying oh we, we know we don't do that and it's just kind of like well I mean I, I like that he kind of cracks those you know those conventions about what black people would do in a horror movie and I like and I really enjoyed that um, because of what he built what because of what he built as a foundation and then him doing him making certain decisions before he got out was you know it, it was necessary they were necessary and they were they made the uh, movie much more compelling so yeah one of my argue. yeah one of my favorite moments in in that film um which we should just talk about get out but uh um, <laughs> did i i know but uh it, it's the scene where the cop pulls him over at the beginning Right. And and the girlfriend defends him, which from a character point of view kind of endears us to her that like she's OK, she's the cool one as far as we know. But what you realize after seeing the movie is, oh, no, she's trying to keep all this off the books because there can't be a paper trail of where this guy has been. So it's not her being cool. It's her using that as a ploy to cover up the crime she's about to commit. Right. And oh, it's so good. And I would, well, one more thing I do want to say about that, because I would argue that has double meaning. That's definitely true. But at the same time, just because of my experience, I've heard a lot of my black male friends who have had white girlfriends be in that exact same situation and them freaking out because their girlfriends are taking on this entitlement of like speaking to an authority figure that they <laughs> are taught intrinsically to be in fear of. So it's just like, it, I think it worked both ways. I think for an audi- for a particular audience that it speaks to that experience that does happen and then at the same time is a plot device so but that's yeah. it i don't want to talk about more about get out <laughs> yeah it's, uh, yeah it's it's so good well i would uh, not be the one uh because i am i i have i have always been terrified of authority figures like i'm just i can't i can't i mean i'm like oh okay whatever you say yeah you know i'm just i keep my head down i do what they tell me and then um i just hope to get the hell out of there so i mean that's just um it, whenever I see a situation like that, it like it makes me nervous um, <laughs> for the person. I'm like, oh, don't do it. It's just it makes me cringe. I'm like, oh, don't, don't, don't. <laughs> see, that's where what? we part ways. I'm a rebel. What? I'm like, I'm going to get some cops. <laughs> <laughs> you you want to dance, like, oh, pig? No. Oh, no. Watch what you say. Watch what you say. And then. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So everything worked. Be- that's the, that was the beauty of that. It was just good writing because um, everything that uh, he l- gives you in the beginning pays off in the end. Everything that you think. Uh, and it wasn't. And I've actually seen some people say the film was predictable, which I call bullshit on. No. Um, because it really is. There's in no way is it. And these are just people who were just wanting to be negative. I could, t- you know, just how sometimes you can tell whenever people are talking online, they're just trying to be negative. And so he was just like, "Oh, I saw it. It was, it was pretty. Oh, shut up! It was not. You wanted it to be. You wanted this movie to be bad. Just admit that it wasn't. Because I mean, when we were going in, and Brian and I both just based on the trailers and stuff, we had this sort of like Stepford Wives thing that we were expecting. Which it kind of in the beginning can lead you toward that. You're, you know, you can think, oh, well, this is, this seems like it's going to be something I've seen before. And then by the time you get to what's actually going on, no, it's fucking not. It's not something you've seen before. And anyone who calls this film predictable is just being an ass because it's, it's really, it's not. I mean, he, he 
like derails all of your expectations and uh you come out the other side and it's way better. That's the thing is it's way better than you thought it, than you could predict it was going to be, you know, it's just, um, and that's, that's what I love about it is everything pays off. Like everything means something. Mm -hmm. And, um, there's not, there's no wasted time. There's no, it's just, and that to me is really good, tight writing. And, um, that's what I, I that's what I want across the board. I want more horror films by anyone like that. You know, and I mean that's the kind of shit we need. And so, yay. Yeah. <laughs> that made me very happy. <laughs> On so many levels it made me so happy. First of all, why are you reading comments online? <laughs> I don't know. I try now to not read the comments, but that, I'm that dumbass who like I'll watch a YouTube video, and uh, most of the time I watch YouTube on the TV. But if on occasion I'm watching it on my computer, I'll I'll scroll down like a dumbass and start reading the comments, and then I get all mad and I'm like, why am I doing that? Stop yeah. reading the comments. Stop it. I mean, you're you're not wrong, James. <laughs> about me being a dumbass? Yeah, I know. Yeah. No, about just like just stop doing it. Yeah. It does it like your blood pressure is, is going to go down if you commit to the idea of like, I'm just not going to read YouTube comments ever again. I know. Yeah. I ever. know In any comments really, because it is so easy for me to get sucked into a, what starts as a conversation and then turns into an argument. Uh, I just got in one a couple weeks ago. Someone was talking about Rob Zombie and they were talking about how shitty the writing was. And uh, he's like, I just recently rewatched Halloween. And, you know, the writing is really bad. You know, his characters are really bad. And I agreed with him because, yes, they are. I mean, Rob Zombie knows one character and they're all assholes. And uh, <laughs> the writing is just terrible. I mean, it. I don't... I don't know. And their their response was, well, you know, I'm from the Midwest and we all talk like that. I'm like, no, no, you don't. I live in the Midwest and you do not. And then it was then it got into an argument about whether or not I actually live in the Midwest. And I'm like, what? Or if you're like a Russian troll, <laughs> one, one of them Putin bots. <laughs> So oh then I was God. like, I think I know. I know. So I had, I mean, this is, and this, it just escalates. And then I get angry and then I get, you know, like, Ur! and so then it escalated to the point where I was posting links to maps of what is considered the Midwest online. And I'm just like, finally, Jesus I was like, Christ. finally, I was like, pull out, pull out, pull out. <laughs> you know, it's, it's too late. It's too late. Yeah. No, that baby's in the oven. <laughs> You have made an internet comment, baby. Oh, my God. Because you couldn't pull out. You Catholic <laughs> son of a bitch, yeah. Oh, so, yeah, right. I got to stop reading comments. Much like Jamie needs to stop uh, reading comments, we need to stop derailing the intro to the show and talk about what we watched. Bo, what have you seen recently? Hey, Grandpa, good to see you're in full swing. Oh, my God. Well, David. <laughs> Don't make me Brimley this goddamn show. I'll bring Brimley in. God damn it. God damn it. Um, I have, I've been watching a bunch of 70s stuff because I've been doing the, uh, the oh, stuff yeah. uh, for Duncan. Um, but I wanted to, uh, to point out uh, a movie 
uh, called Life, which I talked about briefly on on uh, the Twin Peaks show. But, uh, you know, this is that Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, who, who else is in it? Idris Elba. Uh, yeah. Um, which, what the, what the hell is Idris Elba doing in that movie? Um, <laughs> he's, he's way better than that, I feel. Uh, it's like, you're Luther. Don't be in this movie. Um, and then uh, the Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, uh, one of the British Rebecca's, I think. And <laughs> I think there's a couple of them floating around in movies these days, and it's one of them. Um, but anyway, so it's a movie that is trying desperately not to be alien, but it's totally alien. Mm. Um, it, it's a really, really crappy sci-fi horror movie. But at times... Gosh, I like, liked it. It tries to be a little highfalutin, and but it's too dumb for that, and it's not a very good alien monster movie because the monster movie just like looks like a big gooey starfish, which is stupid, and then uh, which it's probably more realistic in fairness. But if you want to show me like a realistic, you know, hey, we've got a you know, a new form of life on this space station kind of movie, then get real about it and, and give me a 2001 kind of movie about it instead of, oh my God, this goopy starfish is going in the thrusters. We've got to hit the button every time the sensor goes off. Not like Alien at all, remember, but totally like <laughs> Alien. And I then did not like the fact that it had a face at one point uh, because... Well like I understand this is supposed to be like a sentient being, but it just, there were things that it knew about us and our technology that it really shouldn't have known because even if it has the intelligence to learn things, it it just got there. Like it, it there should have been a learning curve and I felt like it, it did know things it shouldn't have known, you know, but yeah. yeah, And it like, I actually liked when the alien had a face because then the movie was schlocky and and the movie is schlocky at times. Like the death of Ryan Reynolds in that movie is pure like sci-fi horror schlock film. And, but it doesn't want to commit to being a schlock movie because it wants to be this kind of high minded idea about, well, what if life happens and what if it did try to come after us? But like I said, too dumb for that. Can't get away with it. So it ends up just being a not very good, sci-fi monster movie with an ending that is so predictable in such a like a a high school script moment of like oh dude when this happens people are gonna shit and it's but when it happens instead of shitting it you're you're like well that was terrible (laughs) this movie this movie is just rotten so anyway uh, if you want to see a movie that doesn't know what the fuck it is and wastes very talented actors uh, and, and has a stupid alien, then Life is your film. Is <laughs> my recommendation. All right. Is that Anything it else? for you? Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I watched a bunch of 70s stuff and came out of that liking jolly loving jallos more which makes me happy yeah. i was doing a little dance when i was listening to that show because i'm like it's about fucking time uh, yeah i i finally came around as, as was famously pointed out in the show i was always resistant to the genre because there aren't more killer bears in it um 
Well, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, <laughs> if you want my heart, you have a grizzly bear what at somebody in a movie, <laughs> and I'm on board. And and Jolly are are notoriously bereft of bear murders. So, uh, but I wa- I watched a bunch for the '70s stuff and and have really come around. And I think, like Short Night of uh, Glass Dolls, I think is an amazing movie. And uh, you know, Torso is surprisingly good, even though it's a little tawdry. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I've I've discovered a new vein of horror that I always felt uh, was a little a little too obtuse for me and. It turns out I just I, I wasn't approaching it the right way, which is, hey, let's see how this person dies. Well, I um, there are two that you discussed that I have not seen. One of those being Short Night of Glass Dolls, which I am uh, really excited about seeing, even though I did listen to the part where you guys talked about the end. But I'm going to try to push that out of my brain. Um, but even then I've just, I've never seen it. So I'm excited about that one. I also don't think I've ever seen asylum. I know Brian has seen that one, uh, but I've never seen it. So I want to check that one out too. We actually, we didn't talk about, Oh, was that Doug asylum? Or? Yeah. I, okay. although I've seen asylum a bunch and I, I think it's a great movie. We talked about uh house that drip blood. Oh, that's right. That's right. I knew yeah. there was a, there was a, an amicus film in there. Oh, yeah. Like the first three years of his show are all like, well, here are your two obligatory Jolly films. Here's the Amicus movie. Here's the Hammer movie. And then here's the weird shit. Um, and, yeah. you know, and which ain't nothing wrong with that. I that that first show I marathoned and I, I, I don't know how many people I saw die in a weekend, but <laughs> it was amazing. Weird shit being the devils. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, the fucking bulls. Uh, that movie is just one of the greatest things that ever happened. The the devils is I I you can just frame by frame that movie and spend a weekend with it, and you're gonna have a great time. Which, by the way, if anyone out there has not listened to the podcast under the stairs '70s series that's going on right now, I recommend that too. That is that has been some really fun listening. Um. Not bitter at all that I wasn't there, but um, <laughs> actually, I'm not. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm enjoying. I'm having a. I'm having a great time listening to that. So, um, everyone out there needs to. Yeah, and the recent Baz versus uh, Mika was pretty good. Oh, I haven't gotten to hear that yet. Yeah, it's that's real funny. Cool. I I can't imagine that he wouldn't enjoy those films in, in the way that they were intended. Well, I don't want to give anything away, but it was a, it was an interesting listen, and his reviews were very funny. Jamie, what have you watched? Well, first of all, I'm really excited to say that I went to see <coughs> Annabelle, or I was about to say Origin of Evil. No, <laughs> Annabelle Creation. Well, you know, you know why I tie those together. Uh, because the sequels in both of those instances in Ouija and Annabelle, the sequels are way better than the original. <laughs> so um, that's not a hard, a high barter. To no, it's clear. not. It's not. But I am very pleased to report that uh, Annabelle creation was, I mean, we don't even need that other movie. I actually watched, I came home and the next morning I watched the first Annabelle just because I'd only seen it once. 
And I said, well, maybe it's not as bad as I thought it was. <laughs> and when we kind of started out, I was like, okay, well, maybe I sold it a little short. And then, no, I didn't. Because nothing happens for a good yeah. chunk of that movie. I mean, it's really just, ooh, the sewing machine turned itself on. Oh, my God, the sewing machine turned itself on again. You know, it's just, and it's a lot of that, things that go nowhere. And then all of a sudden, sacrifice at the end, you know, because it's at Alfre Woodard ex machina. At the, <laughs> she's just like, um, one of the better ex machinas. If you're going to oh, have, well, one. <laughs> have, an have, Wo- have an Alfre Woodard, Woodard but <laughs> right. But, like when she bombs into that, uh, that, uh, uh, Captain America civil war, it's like, <laughs> what are you doing in this movie? Alfre Woodard? <laughs> well, it's so, it's so weird because when you first watch that movie and then she pops up, you're like, Oh, well, she's going to save this. You know, and then um, like this will no. be this is this will be much better now. And then, no, they really they it was it was wasted. Like she was wasted. And then um, at the end, she's just like, I got this, you know. And I'm like, what the what the hell? No one would do that. Like that makes no sense whatsoever. So yeah, that's a bad movie. the The second one though was I think effectively creepy and. Uh, one of the things that people have, like the minor complaints, because honestly, I have seen no flat-out negative reviews of this film, and I've watched a lot of, a lot of reviews about it uh, before I went, and then I, after I saw it myself, I went back and watched all the ones that had spoilers, and um, everyone is pretty much saying the same things. Like, yes, this movie's worthwhile, but. The front end is kind of heavy with some jumping with with some jump scares. The difference, though, what I noticed when I was watching this film, is that the majority of the jump scares in the beginning they don't do that music sting thing where it, it just it annoys the piss out of me because it's like it and it makes it feel like the scares are intended for the character. More so than to try to jolt you, but they also will, you know, hope to get you at the same time. But it feels, I don't even know if this is going to make any sense, but it feels like they're internal. And I don't know how to explain that other than watch it and try to see what I'm saying. Like, try to try to understand what I mean by that. But it, um, your homework to understand Jamie's <laughs> review is to, in fact, yes. watch the movie watch she's the movie. reviewing. Yeah. Okay. Yes, that's gotcha. Um, but it is, I think, so much better than the first one. And then watching this one, you don't even really need the first one. They did this interesting, they had this interesting attempt to tie in the first one with the end of this one. And I do appreciate that they did that. However, if you think about it hard enough, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, there are things that just don't, it, they're way too coincidental uh, that would, in order to make it work. But I appreciate that they attempted to do that. Like, you know, what what are the odds that the house right next door would be yet? And anyone who's seen the movie will probably understand where I'm going with that. (laughs) I'm like, I don't want to give anything away. But um, I did enjoy it. Uh, I watched a film called Amsterdam, which I have never seen. uh, But it was an 88 film from uh, Amsterdam. Um, (laughs) It's a Dutch film, and it's really, it's a Dutch giallo, and I have never seen one of those before, and I didn't even know it was a thing, but that's really, and it doesn't advertise itself as that, but when you're watching the film, you're like, this is really like a giallo, and it feels like one, the music, I mean, everything, only it's Dutch, and 
uh, I thought that was very good too. It was very entertaining. The one thing about that is that by the time you get to the end, when you find out who the killer is, it's kind of like a, huh. All right. But uh, totally worth it. I, I recommend that one. I actually immediately jumped to Duncan and I was like, have you seen this? You've got to see this because he loves jellos like I do. So I think he would uh, appreciate that. Um, woo. Watched a movie called The Disappointments Room. Yeah, how's that? Bad. Bad. Yeah. I wrote a I wrote a post about it on Facebook and I and I said something akin to it feels as if if as if it were written by a child an easily distracted child who saw something shiny and ran off to play. And that's basically because I have never in my life seen a film that actually gives up and walks away. And that's what this movie does. I mean, you get to the end of the film and you think you're going to be going somewhere and tying some things up. And they no, the family just gets into the car and drives away. And I, I, I like this. They're is, just like, we're leaving this movie. That's exactly what happens. He's like, we've got to get out of here. We've got to get us get you back you know, we got to get back home we got to get out of this situation they get in the car and they drive away that's it and um, i'm like what the hell just what you know there are people that pop up and then do nothing there are things and i mean i mean literally nothing there's the the uh the woman in the town who's like the records holder and she you know she's going to be the one who helps her uncover who helps Kate Beckinsale now Kate Beckinsale looks adorable and that's that's about the best thing about it Gerald McCraney is imposing he's supposed to be this like um imposing ghost and you know he's okay but they just don't give him anything to do uh, and uh this- wait wasn't are, are we talking about major, major dad? dad yes he can be imposing all right <laughs> But uh, the the records woman, like, you know, there's always that one, like, you go, she goes, Kate Beckinsale goes into town, and she's going to research her house, and, uh, you know, there's this room, and she wants to know what's up with this room, and the woman tells her the history of these rooms, and um, and so then you're like, all right, well, then at one point, there's shit going down in the house, the woman is actually pulling, like, a, a priest from Amityville trying to call them at the house, and then she can't get through, and then you never see the woman again. I mean, you never see her again. So that was completely pointless. Uh, everything is just totally point. I don't know who, and I know I found out that it was the guy from Prison Break, who, um, I can't remember his name, but the that guy, uh, <laughs> he was he's from Prison Break, like the, the an actor wrote this film, and he also wrote something else, and there's something else that he wrote which I can't remember right now is actually much better, but this. I don't even, I, I really don't even know what happened. It feels incomplete. And I'm, I was baffled. And I told Brian, I watched it by myself, but I told, I was perplexed. I'm like, who, who thought this was okay? Like who said, who watched this and said, yeah, we'll, we'll put money behind that. Let's put it out. I mean, that, what kind of moron? I, I mean, it was so, the reception was so bad that Universal pulled the plans to release it on Blu-ray and sent it on to standard DVD. That's how bad the reception was. Cause, and they were just like, nope, we're not putting any more in this than we already have. And I'm thinking, why did you put anything into it to begin with? Did you see this? It's not even a movie. Did you, I mean, it is straight up incomplete. 
13 Cameras, which is something I've been eyeing on Netflix for a long time, and I wanted to watch it because I really like like creepy I'm-watching-you movies and obsession films. It was very creepy. Um, and, you know, if you like those kind of movies, then, you know, it had its, its, it had its fun moments. The, uh, the dude doing the creeping, very creepy. Like, really creepy. At one point, the one of the characters describes him as smelling like spoilt mayonnaise. So that was stuck in my head the entire time I'm watching the movie. Like, every time he was on screen, I was just picturing spoiled mayonnaise. And that's effective. Like, it, that's some, that, that actually works. <laughs> uh, and then out of, the, oh, Amnesiac, which was a, a movie with Wes Bentley and Kate Bosworth that I also saw on Netflix where Wes Bentley wakes up and he has amnesia and Kate Bosworth is like, I'm your wife. And you kind of get this sort of misery vibe out of it because she's nursing him back to health. And then um, things happen and he starts to question, you know, is this really my wife? Who is this woman? And, and you know, where am I and what's going on? And then he uh, things happen and then he uncovers stuff in the end. And it actually, um, I mean, it wasn't bad. It was It was pretty interesting. And Kate Bosworth, I think, did a really good job of playing a psycho. Um... She kind of ge- keeps you unsettled the entire time. She has this weird, really slow, deliberate delivery throughout the entire film that that is very unsettling. And, I mean, it's nothing miraculous, but it was better than I thought it would be for a random find on Netflix. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And then Out of the Dark, which is a Julia Stiles, Scott Speedman film that I watched on Netflix. I've been doing a lot of Netflix watching is what I've been doing. And um, that's about a family who moves to Columbia. Uh, her family business is there, so they move there, and then something happens, and her child gets sick, and then they find out that there was uh, a, like a sickness going around, something weird with the children in, ni- in the 90s, and there was like a cover-up. And to be honest, by the time we got to the end of the film, I'm not even really sure what happened. There ended up being a bit of a supernatural element. And I just, I, by the time the movie was over, I was like, I'm not even sure what I just watched. So I guess it wasn't completely engaging enough for me to actually pay attention to every little thing. Cause I apparently missed some stuff and I don't care enough to go back and watch it again. So, <laughs> so there's that. It was very uh, mediocre. That's pretty much it for me. All right. Ashley. Not, uh, I would say more TV than movies, but I finally watched The Devil's Candy, which I was really excited about, and I enjoyed that. Um, I was just telling you know what, I said yay, and then I was like, oh shit, what if she didn't like it? (laughs) (laughs) No, I enjoyed it. I couldn't get over the fact that Ethan Embryo, as you said on the skeleton crew, uh, yeah, (laughs) like, uh, Jesus, I, I thought he looked like Jesus, so I thought that was I felt that, I thought that was pretty symbolic within the film. That was pretty cool. Um, I also finally watched the Exorcist TV series, and I really like that. I liken it to like just calling it the Exorcist Four because basically of the big uh, spoiler. I don't know if it's much of a well-known spoiler now. I don't know. There's a lot of people who haven't finished it or haven't watched it who know the spoiler. So, but I don't. I don't feel comfortable seeing it here, but I thought it was pretty good. I had a, had a really fun time watching it. I thought it was well acted and I thought it was compelling enough. I thought Gina Davis did a great job. 
Um, what else have I watched? I watched this. I still have, I'm a, still a sucker for found footage horror and I still enjoy watching it. So I watched this random Amazon pick. It's called Hell House LLC. And yeah, I saw that. I did too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I like it. I thought it was creepy enough. I watched it in the middle of the night. All the lights were off. I had a, I had a fun time scaring myself <laughs> and um i thought it was pretty good for i thought it was i thought it was good for like you know compared to like the houses october built and like other th- other less than films that are kind of that have this have a similar story um what else have i watched oh i've been i, I thought what was interesting about uh hell house llc is that the framing device that they use gives it an air of if not authenticity, at least seriousness, that a lot of those found footage, like, hey, we're going to go into a spooky house that we have no business being in. Um, like, it it felt... I, I compared it a little bit to Lake Mungo, which, that's a way, way better movie, but it's stealing some of those kind of documentary chops to, to get away with a little more. And yeah, I thought it was creepy, too. I thought it was, it was a, a completely fun movie not necessarily a terribly deep one yeah um absolutely i think that's i mean trying to think that's generally it i've just been putting other just random movies on for a background um obviously rewatch the movie that we're going to talk about again for the thousandth time so that was great but for the most part that's generally it um as far as recent recent all right David, what about you? Thank you, Bo. Um, I rewatched Friday the 13th Part 4 because I haven't watched that in forever. And that's real good. You don't need a reason to rewatch that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, that movie is delightful. Yeah, that, that movie's real good, it turns out. Yeah. Oh my God. Crispin Glover's amazing. Yeah. I, I somehow I forget how amazing his performance is in that movie every time, and, and I'm just like, "Oh right!" I you know every time I see that movie, I forget about the scene where uh, Corey Feldman is watching the girls. Uh, oh yeah, at the house when he's hopping on the bed and doing the little frog <laughs> masturbation routine, <laughs> and it's one of the creepiest things in the movie. Which you know you mentioned, Crispin Glover brought it to mind. Uh, <laughs> the only way it could be any creepier is if Crispin Glover were in the room with him. But yes. it yeah, it's one of those scenes that's like, oh, this almost doesn't belong here, but it's so weird that I kind of love it. Yeah. Oh, so good. And speaking of weird-ass movies, I also watched uh, Twin Peaks Firewalk with me, which, holy shit, that movie's real good. Mm, that movie is real good. I had not seen it probably five or six years, and I remember not liking it the first time I saw it. And then I watched it because I started to listen to the Duncan and Bo go to Twin Peaks episode about it. And uh, Duncan was raving about it prior to the review. And I was like, all right, I guess I'll go back and watch this because it's been a while. And that was a great afternoon. Yeah, it that's a real depressing movie. Yeah. Uh, but it is also kind of a, a, a unique work of art. There's, there's no other movie quite like Firewalk with me. 
Yeah. Absolutely. It was, yeah, this was super depressing, but it was also just so well made. And, oh man. I, I've said it before, uh, but the line that Cheryl Lee has in, in uh, Firewalk with me when she goes to the roadhouse, she's having the meeting with the two guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, she, she's smoking a cigarette and drinking as a young, like, you know, a high school girl. And somebody hands her some money and she says, so you want to fuck the homecoming queen? And it's just one of the saddest things I've ever seen in a movie. It just breaks my heart. Oh my God. Yeah. So I watched that and those were, that was it. I haven't really watched a whole hell of a lot else. I have been watching the new Twin Peaksies, by the way, or as we're calling it, Twin Peaks, the returnsies. Um, (laughs) I watched the first four episodes when they were available on Amazon and that's about as far as I've gotten um, I'm just going to wait for the season to finish and then grab it yeah go some places that's for sure and I, I gotta tell you though the uh, and if you've watched the first four you've seen this moment mm-hmm. when Michael Sarah shows up which is a cameo I'd heard about and didn't give a shit about Oh yeah. and, th- and then I saw it and I was like that is one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life <laughs> I don't remember what he was doing, but yeah, that was, that it, was good. He plays Wally Brando, the son of oh, that's right of of Andy and Lucy, and yes. has adopted this rebel without a cause Marlon Brando persona. That's and is, right, and is just motorcycling back and forth across the country, being a weirdo, and has a great moment where he, you know, talks about the beautiful town of Twin Peaks, and he's doing this kind of. Kind of a shitty Brando impression along with looking like Brando from uh, Wild Ones. Mm-hmm. And, oh, fuck, it's I good. I thought you were going to say Island of Dr. Moreau. <laughs> no, but he kind of has the vo- the Moreau voice, but the the look of Wild Ones. Yeah, I do uh, remember that now. Oh, uh, so funny. Oh, man. When he, call- oh, he talks about Lewis and Clark being the first... Caucasians to to march across the continent. Oh, it's so funny. Anyway, all right, I'll shut up yeah. about it. Yeah, uh, that was a really good episode, though. By the way, those last couple of uh, Duncan and Bo shows were really, really good. <laughs> Thank you. They are I marathons. <laughs> yes, they were. Holy shit! But the 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 Firewalk with Me episode was probably like was super good. That was very fun, and I was I was kind of worried because. You guys open up with Diary of Laura Palmer. That's a very somber review. Well, yeah, that's also one of the saddest things you ever set your eyes on. Right, uh, exactly. So, yeah, that's a, it was a tough show to do because the first... You're doing, you know, Diary of Laura Palmer uh, and Firewalk With Me, both of which are just these tragic tales of this girl who is fighting you know, an evil that eventually consumes her. Like, you know, the end of that story before you, you started. Right. And, oh, it's so sad. And thank Christ, like James shows up occasionally. So you can do a dumb voice or something. And yes. That was, that was what I liked was that you guys were still able to like to weasel in the dumb voices and everything. And, oh, it was uh, amazing. Yeah. When he showed up in, uh, uh, in the returnsies, uh, I actually did yell at the TV, like, "Hey, everybody!" <laughs> I just guess did... what? James is here. Yeah, 
I did a, you're not Laura. You're right. When he showed up. Oh my hey, God. Shelley! <laughs> you don't look you're like Laura. Donna. Yeah. That, that oh, was also funny. That, the, the, yeah, the, you don't look you like don't Donna look like... Was, was, was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a joke that kind of writes itself in that scenario, but it's... Yeah. It's a, like a long tail on that kite to get to it. Uh, right. Anyway, that's a show I do. Now I don't have to plug anything at the end. Yeah. Oh, okay. That is it for opening stuff. Holy shit, that was a long opening. Um, so we will be right back with the news. This is not a test. This is the Psychosemantic Podcast. Announcing the commencement of the annual purge sanctioned by the U.S. government. Weapons of Class 4 and lower have been authorized for use during the purge. All other weapons are restricted. Government officials of ranking 10 have been granted immunity from the purge and shall not be harmed. A few days ago, I called the news the enemy of the people, and they are. They are the enemy of the people. We have Ben Jacobs, that's the Guardian Report, body slammed tonight by the Republican candidate Greg Gianforte. Living with a six-year-old. I do want to be on. I'm not able to uh, be rushed this fast. It makes me nervous. But that is one big pile of shit. Well, then you two learned a very important lesson today. Cops don't help. It's a train! Now is not the time for fear. That comes later. Can you fly, Bobby? In the 20th century, the Senate voted on seven Supreme Court nominees during election years, and it approved all but one. So just to, just to put a button on this, are you ruling it out 100%? Yeah. Are you crazy? Is that your problem? Politics. Movies. Political movies. The Psychosemantic Podcast. Better known as the Psychosemantic Cast. He did what we all must learn to do. You and you and you and you. Yup. And cover. Be quiet a second, will you? It's 8 o'clock in Los Angeles. It's 9 o'clock in Denver. It's 10 o'clock in Chicago. In Baltimore, it's 6.42. Time for the 11 o'clock report. Here's Johnny. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Game over, man. Game over. Your mother sucks cops in hell. Okay, and we are back with the news. I'm so excited about that. I am really excited about this first story, y'all. I've only read the headline, but it's exciting to me. That's still and, more preparation than we're used to. It, it, no, it is. And uh, there are three words. Well, two words, one of them being hyphenated. That makes me really <laughs> excited. And that is the witch star Anya Taylor-Joy. Up to join the Nosferatu remake. Yeah, who's directing that again? Well, I haven't gotten that far. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. I just read the headline. 
Actress Anya Taylor-Joy of Split uh, is in negotiations to join the cast of the upcoming Nosferatu remake. According to Variety, Robert Eggers, who directed Taylor-Joy in the 2015 film The Witch, will both direct... Are you serious? Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Direct and write the remake. I am so happy right now. Of the 1922 classic horror film for Studio 8, Chris Columbus and Eleanor Columbus will produce... It, this just gets better. Uh, the 1922 silent horror film was directed by F.W. Murnau and written by Henrik Galeen. Nosferatu starred Max Schreck as the vampire Count Orlock and was unauthorized adaptation of Bram Stoker's Dracula. It's considered an iconic horror film and follows the story of Count Orlock from Transylvania who is trying to buy a house in Germany where he becomes enamored of the real estate agent's wife. Werner Herzog remade the film in 1979 as Nosferatu the Vampire. In 2000, the film Shadow of the Vampire, starring John Malkovich, Carrie Elwes, Eddie Izzard, and Willem Dafoe, was a dark comic fictional take on the making of the 1922 film. Anya Taylor-Joy hit the scene with The Witch and has recently been seen in films like Morgan, Barry, Thoroughbred and this year's Split alongside James McAvoy. She is currently filming Josh Boone's X-Men, The New Mutants, where she'll play Ilyana Rasputin's Magic. Ah. She's also got the... Sorry, my, my eyes are going weird. She's also got the Split and Unbreakable sequel Glass on the way, starring McAvoy, Bruce Willis, and Samuel Jackson. She played a small, uncredited role in the 2014 film Vampire Academy. Oh, well, make sure you throw that in there. <laughs> I, I've actually I mean, seen Vampire Academy. Why? You can't. Because Netflix. No, oh, fair enough. <laughs> I, I actually avoided Vampire Academy, but... Um, You're not wrong. It's not good. I am really, really, really excited about that. I am. I, uh, I know everyone loves the... The remake, I do not. I thought it was boring. Like, I'm, I was never a fan of that, the 79 remake. It's pretty. I really enjoy Shadow of the Vampire. Um, but this I'm excited about for a number of reasons. Um, one of them being Robert Eggers. I'm really thrilled to see him do something else. And I had heard after the witch came out, I had heard him say something about not knowing whether or not he was going to stay in the genre. And I want to say I had heard something about this a while back that maybe he was considering it. And then it just sort of fell out of my brain. So, uh, and I haven't heard anything about it since. So, that makes me excited, and I just I have grown to really enjoy Anya Taylor Joy. Oh yeah, although before we get someone sending in a correction, no one saw Morgan, so no one saw her in it. But uh, yeah, it was not a good movie either. She yeah, she's great. Uh, Anya Taylor Joy is a very good actress, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting. Be one of those things where like it'll all be in the original German. Yeah, uh, because Robert Eggers is on board, and it's going to be like, all right, all the all the costumes are period. We're going to take four and a half years to make it. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be made by candlelight, and <laughs> <laughs> we're we're actually going to shoot it on daguerreotype. 
I was going to say we're going to use the actual equipment that Murnau used when he originally made the first film. I mean, yeah. Um, it's all going to be done by a sketch artist because <laughs> we're not, we don't feel comfortable using technology to capture it's this story. It's actually going to be a flip book. <laughs> voiced, <laughs> voiced by the actors in a touring show. Uh, yeah, that's fun. I mean, you can make jokes about that all day long. I love that about him, though. That's what I love about The Witch. Is, the entire uh, soundtrack is accordion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, please have him throw some harpsichord in there. I do love the harpsichord. Uh, chamber music, of course. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think that'll be a fun thing. Yeah. Yeah. If you're right. I mean, unless you're right. Uh, because it could easily take him four years to make it. <laughs> he's such a perfectionist that... Uh, He's going to make like, you know, four movies in his career. <laughs> He's like, right. but they're we, all we, fantastic. We had to build an entire 17th century town complete with castle. <laughs> so then then we moved people there to live there for generations so that the town could truly look lived in. <laughs> so you're then only then for, can we roll cameras. He's Werner Herzog 2.0. Yeah, right. We planted trees, so we have to let them grow. We have to make them look authentic. You know, it'll take decades for the moss to truly climb <laughs> the castle walls. And then we can think about casting. But the <laughs> script is great. The script, hey, you're going to love it. The script is good. <laughs> okay, next up. George A. Romero, Between Night and Dawn, coming in October. There are a slew of fine films George made in the 1970s, post Night of the Living Dead, that are flawed, fascinating, and essential pieces of his cinematic journey. There's always Vanilla, uh, <laughs> which, I mean, Vanilla is the perfect description of that film. Oh my goodness. That was not good. Uh, Season of the Witch and The Crazies made between Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead showcase the extraordinary versatility and dynamism of this irreplaceable American auteur. Three films from the late legendary director that prove that although he might have defined zombie cinema, it didn't define him. And now Arrow Video has compiled these three pictures in a stunning six-disc limited edition set due out October 24th. Huh. That's interesting because I can tell you right now he wouldn't have approved it. <laughs> He'd be like, what the fuck? He didn't, I mean, he knew There's Always Vanilla was bad. He never, he was never happy about that film. So it's just kind of interesting to me that um, once he dies, they're like, this is a movie he made when, I mean, he's on the other side going, what the fuck? <laughs> well, the, the, Actually, it's a reasonable price to ask for that collection unless you factor in the fact that you actually have to wrest it from the claws of the vulture that's putting it out. They're circling the corpse of Papa Bear to wring the last cash they can from him. Sorry. I'm bitter. Yeah, no. Um, well, as it turns out, uh, Brian said this was actually announced before he died, and I yeah. guess he did a it um 
And in which case, oh, George, I guess he just likes money. I don't know. Maybe he was like, uh, I can use some some of that money. He, yeah, but, he was still trying to get that bumper cars of the dead movie made right, or whatever it right, was. Right. Well, it includes the following films. Um, well, I mentioned them already. There's always Vanilla from 1971, Season of the Witch, also known as Jack's Wife from 1972, and The Crazies, also known as Codename Trixie from 1973. Special features include high-def Blu-ray and standard DVD presentations. I don't think that's a special feature. That's just the thing. Uh, English subtitles for the deaf and hard of hearing. Re- reversible sleep. That makes me think of the Monty Python. <laughs> the Monty Python Blu-ray that has the the hard of hearing. That's really fun. Where they just scream at you. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's an old Garrett Morris joke. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Reversible sleeves for each film featuring original and newly commissioned artwork. Uh, Limited edition 60-page booklet. All right. There's Always Vanilla has a brand new 2K restoration, brand new audio commentary by Travis Crawford, brand new interview with actors. Digging Up the Dead, the Lost Films of George Romero archive interview with Romero. Looking at his early films, there's Always Vanilla and Season of the Witch trailer. And trailer. Then Season of the Witch has some stuff. Uh, When Romero met Del Toro, celebrated filmmaker Guillermo Del Toro sits down with George Romero for this candid, career-spanning conversation. Um, More of the usual stuff. And then the crazies had Romero was here, featurette, revisiting the crazies filming locations in Evans City, Pennsylvania. And more of the usual stuff. Well, I mean, I love the crazies, so, you know, I don't know, that could be cool. I remember when they did a, uh, they went to Monroeville and they went to Evans City. Uh, There was this dock, I think it's on the Dawn of the Dead collection, like the big one, and where they were touring the mall and various other places that they went. And what was so funny is no one remembered anything about the movie, like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, the same thing happened with, uh, speaking of Monty Python, again, when they did the Holy Grail, uh, they toured the set locations of the Holy Grail. No one, None of the actors remembered shit. It's always the fans who are like, oh, it's right over there that this happened. And then the actors are like, oh, really? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that pretty much when they were touring the Monroeville Mall, it was with Ken Foray. Oh, yeah, I do remember that. That happened a lot. It wasn't like he, he's like, uh, okay. And which I, I think is interesting because actors do these things and they move on. Right. And, and, and Romero was kind of known for that run and gun kind of style. Yeah. Where it, it's like, yes, hey, we're, we're like, doing do a lot of setups. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of no wonder that he's like, maybe we shot something here. I don't know, man. It was a blur. It was all a blur. Right. There were zombies getting pies in the face. I I don't know what the hell was happening. We had to clean up the joint before we got out of there at dawn. You know, Uh, it's such a great story, though. It's one of those apocryphal movie making stories uh, that I really love. This shit will never happen again. Story, you know, like I don't. Not with that result. Pull that off again. You know. There, there are plenty of people that could make a shitty zombie movie overnight at the mall, the local mall, but no one will ever do it like Romero did again. 
that was something special. Yeah, I always think it's interesting though because the the fans we because we are intimately acquainted with all of these films, every nook and cranny of them. We've watched them so many times. Frequently, actors only ever see their movies once, if at all. You know, if you're Sissy Spacek or Johnny Depp, you don't even watch your movies. So uh, it's they have no idea. And then I, I isn't I wonder if that's unsettling to have someone come up to you who knows so much about this and who is who is so excited about every little thing about something that's so important to them. And you spent a couple months with it 20 years ago, you know, I think oh, I yeah. myself sad. I, well, you know, I mean, it's <laughs> like uh, for a lot of people in, in, in those movies, uh, it's a gig, you know, it's like, here's the, the, gr- you know, few thousand dollars I'm going to make to be in this horror movie and uh, done. I mean, that's, that's how they see it, you know, and I'm done. And right, I and go do something else, and yeah. then, and, and I think that's why you appreciate the the people who kind of embrace and embrace the community and understand people's love of, uh, you know, I mean, geez, Ashley's here. Uh, like, girls will be ghouls. One of the great things about that show is it's very horror con centric, and uh, like you know the people that show up to get the money for signing the autograph and doing the thing. And the people that seem like genuinely happy to be there. True. See. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, I, I run into mostly, yeah, mostly everyone is um, excited about being there. Um, I can't think of any sort of negative experiences. I think I, I feel like I hear them more than I experience them. Experience them myself. So um, there are people who are super jazz, and there are people who are kind of. I think most people are kind of like in the middle, and they're kind of just like you know happy to be there, but you know we're, we're ready for that drink after all, all is said and done. And then, sure, and maybe yeah. a couple before it's over. <laughs> exactly. So um, yeah. What was the news story that launched us on this? I don't even remember. Um, I was talking about the George Romero releases, the upcoming releases. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. I, you know, I, one other note about that: um, the uh, season of the witch. Uh, what was the title you had? Uh, Jack's wife. Yes. The my favorite of the many titles of that movie is hungry wives i think that's the most salacious of them it, it's like hungry wives are they cannibals now i want to see this movie well then it worked yeah <laughs> worked on um, this guy all right uh next up Hellraiser 30th anniversary soundtrack set for release. The amazing industrial experimental band Coil, of which noted genre scholar and author Stephen Thrower was a member, was handpicked by Clive Barker to score his first film, 1987's Hellraiser, an adaptation of his story The Hellbound Heart. However, the score was rejected, and American composer Christopher Young was called in to write a new score. And as much as we love Coil... We're glad Young swooped in because Young's music is a startling collection of themes and cues featuring evocative orchestral passages, swelling with gothic choirs, ascending notes, operatic percussion, 
and Wagner and Wagnerian pump. And during its quite mm-mm. wow, sorry, my eyes are doing that weird thing again. Uh, look, you got through Wagnerian. Uh, uh, anything <gasps> here from here on out is all just gravy. <laughs> I'm trying to read the news on my phone, and occasionally my eyes go out of focus. So <laughs> it's a quieter was the word I couldn't see. <laughs> All right, sure. Uh, and during very small font, and during its quieter moment, and I'm getting older. During its quieter moments, it feels <laughs> like a rotting children's music box from hell, gentle and evil. It's a masterpiece. And it's a major part of the identity of Barker's Maiden Voyage masterpiece. Now, I was right there with him until they used masterpiece twice in the same sentence. Right? Come yeah, on, dude. Yeah. That's bad copy. Uh, up until that, I was actually thinking, wow, this is nicely written. Ah, you sucker. Now, 30 years after audiences first fell under its haunting spell, Lakeshore Records will release the Hellraiser 30th Anniversary Edition remixed and remastered from Young's original 24-track, two-inch reel-to-reel analog tapes. The soundtrack will be available digitally and on CD on September 15th, and the vinyl LP will release on October 6th. Mondo Records will also be releasing their own limited-edition LP version at a later date to be announced. Uh, The retail version of the vinyl release is presented... On 140 gram multicolored translucent red with black smoke vinyl with a fork. Co- oh man, hipster details. <laughs> <laughs> it's just look that shit up. I don't care. <laughs> well, uh, so, yeah, there's that. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, no, seriously, I'm excited. I love that fucking soundtrack. Yeah, well, I think it's a cool soundtrack. Yeah, so, I get it again. I have. The, <clears throat> I have the, I guess the Hellraiser collection. It's the first three soundtracks, and then yeah, and then I have the Coil one as well. So I have two versions of the Coil one actually. So this will be another one I add to my collection, much like when I had like four different versions of the goddamn Blade Runner soundtrack. Which let me tell you, you something, that's yeah. a pain in the ass to find, because there are so many fucking different versions of it. I mean, that's not surprising given that there are, you know, five different versions of the movie. Why would the soundtrack be any different? That's true. Right. When you just said, let me tell you something, I just pictured Fire Marshal. Let me tell you something. Yeah. That's <sighs> how I start all my sentences now. <laughs> get, get used to it. It's not going to be fun. Well, fair enough. All right. I believe that's oh, it. Oh, that's it. News. That's all I've got. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's everything? Yeah, that's all. Because I've got a bunch of questions. So. Oh, okay. Which means we're going well, to do uh, some SDTP now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So first question from my friend Liz Stewart. She asks, if you could watch, uh, if you could never watch another horror movie again, what genre would you watch? All right, wait, are we picking the one that we would never watch again? Right. No, if you can't watch horror ever again, what genre would you pick instead? Or to oh. instead, rather. I mean, rom-com, obviously. <laughs> I No, I, documentary would probably be mine. I'm a big documentary fan anyway. Yeah, so, I could see yeah. that. Yeah, Jamie? 
all wrestling movies. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <clears throat> um, honestly, that's a very difficult thing for me. I love docs. That's probably what I watch when I'm not watching horror. I watch more docs than anything else. Right. But they're usually docs about horror. Right. <laughs> so that might count. So it means it might mean that I couldn't watch those. Um, I'm also a big comedy. I'm also a big comedy fan. So uh, I would. Damn, that's rough. <laughs> yeah. See, I almost yeah. went comedy because I was like, I could watch Running Scared like three times a week. <laughs> All right. What about you, Ashley? I'd probably, uh, yeah, I'd probably pick comedy too. I think that's what I mostly spend most of my time with. If just kind of winding down, or like if, if, I, if I'm going to bed, or or I guess just randomly, if I just want to, if I just honestly, if I watch something that does really kind of uh, get to me as far as a horror movie, I'll balance it out and put on something that's funny. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it'll be comedy. Yeah, I think I'd probably go comedy or a documentary. All right. Um, Andrew Huff asks, who had the better chance of getting away, Casey Becker in Scream or Helen Shivers in I Know What You Did Last Summer? <laughs> God. I don't remember. I don't remember Helen in I Know What You Did Last Summer because I barely remember that movie at all. But Casey probably could have gotten away, maybe. If she'd fucking gotten off the phone if, and just run if Helen Shivers hadn't stopped running when she saw the fucking marching band if she had just oh, continued right. to run toward the marching band okay. she would have gotten away but no her dumbass had to stop yeah she wasn't very and I don't bright. even that doesn't even make any sense to me I have to stop and assess the situation she wasn't danger back there safety ahead what do I do yeah. All right, so how did Helen die? And uh, like, I haven't seen. I know what you did last right? summer. Right, since yeah, maybe it came out. Um... <laughs> she was being chased around the store, okay. her parents' yeah. store. She runs out. She ran out. She got outside. The killer was chasing her. Still, she runs down an alley, and as she's running down the alley, she sees this marching band crossing across the alley because this was uh, they were having the parade and everything that night. Right. So she kind of she she stops running and she's like a ah, like you know like yay I made it and then the killer jumps out and kills her and um, I'm like you fucking idiot if you hadn't stopped running then she would have been fine but Are, she, well and also who gives a shit about that I mean no I asked <laughs> I, in fairness I know I did but uh, as as you were talking the solution presented itself so clearly to me it is obviously whoever was in. I know what you did last summer because there's two of them in scream. It's way harder to get away from two people than oh, one. True. That's, oh, yeah. That's, oh, yeah. that's good old fashioned math people. Well, <laughs> we also don't necessarily know if both of them were out when they killed Casey. Maybe not, but like it's way more orchestrated true. in scream. Okay. Yeah. It's a little loosey goosey. And uh, as far as killers go, yeah, I know, I know what you did last summer. That's a real bad, so. that's a real bad movie. Lucy also had that opportunity when her parents were walking up. If she could have mustered, if she the, the phone, the right. scream or you know gotten their attention well, she somehow, scream because he choked. She her. could have. 
Well, yeah, but I mean, so yeah, she I did after understand. like the moment they walked into the house. Then suddenly she was like, "I help me," you know, yeah. like she just she got it out right after they walked into the house. She still should have thrown. So, if she yeah. had found some way to get their attention. I don't know, rub two sticks together, start a fire, whatever. Just get their attention, then she would have been okay. But she was, um, that she was fucked from jump. Like yeah. that, she was in a bad, bad spot. She was gonna die that night. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that she could have saved herself in that scenario. Like, even if the parents showed up, I, I don't know that she wouldn't have died before they, they got to her. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. What if she had answered that Friday the 13th question right? She would probably <laughs> fucked up on another question. Yeah, there would have been yeah. anyway. Right, there would have been a bonus question that, right. you know, now I'll let your boyfriend go if you can answer this one, you know. Um, and it would have been impossible. Right. Alright. Uh, Mike Merriman asks, will I be cast as the tall man in, in the Phantasm remake? I don't know. If they call me, I will. I'll do it. Um, who, who's remaking it? Is it David Gordon Green? Oh, I Is that no right? Idea. I didn't even know they were actually remaking it. Yeah, that's that's actually happening. Oh, I I thought so, but I could be wrong about that. I I knew there were rumblings about it because uh, J.J. Abrams is a big Phantasm fan, and there was some heat around that for a bit. I don't know if it if it's actually getting made or not. I have no idea. But, I mean, I don't do the rest of us have to weigh in on this, whether you should. You can. All right. No. I don't think you're old enough. I think the tall man needs to be an old, crinkly motherfucker. He's a tall man, though. Yeah, I mean, they could Max von Sydow you, but why when you can just hire an old man? Because well, why did they hire Max von Sydow when they could have just hired an old man? You know because how, he's Max von Sydow. You know how hard it is to find tall old men? We don't live that long. Are, are, no, are I've so- honestly never tried. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't looked recently. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, in fairness, I have not had my eyes peeled <laughs> for tall older gentleman but now that you mention it i guess i don't know many mm-hmm. if at all most of the old people i know are kind of low to the ground right yeah <laughs> i think it's like they're making their way down <laughs> creeping inexorably to towards the grave literally <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh shit all right. I think we may be onto a real scientific kind of thing here, <laughs> and right. I'm not a I'm no scientist, so it's hard for me to That's judge. That's what but... the the Java monsters are in in Phantasm. They're just old people. I mean, yeah. What were they like? Uh, they were the reanimated suck corpses. Re- reanimated corpses after you sucked out all the juices and whatnot. Yeah, or something uh, like that. Yeah, that that's a series that's own mythology is real stupid. Yeah. <clears throat> all right uh darren asks uh with all the stephen king stuff coming out and list and it less than a month from rec- from the recording is there a movie adaptation that you think would be served well with a more faithful remake or is there something that surprises you that nobody has ever adapted i 
Hmm. I mean, it was always one I wanted to see. The Dark Tower was one I wanted to see, but I, you know, rumor has it that did not turn out so good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> enough so that I stayed away from it after I, I heard that. Like it's just it's not really a Dark Tower movie. Yeah, Vanessa uh, said. Uh, I think Vanessa saw it. I don't remember what she said about it, but. Um, I don't know. I I'd love to see another Salem's Lot. Actually, mm-hmm. I yeah. think that's a movie that I think you could do well and and get it right. Yeah. Um, yeah, that movie's real scary. I mean, I I'll tell you, I was always real surprised that there was never another Cujo. Um, that seems like one of those movies that's low hanging fruit in terms of a remake. You could do it yeah. very cheaply and it would, it could be very tense. Like the original Cujo is flawed, but it, it kind of works. Yeah. And so I think if you use that as a template, you could make a pretty good modern day Cujo instead of a St. Bernard, he could be like a, you know, Labradoodle or whatever the fuck they have now. <laughs> You don't think they'd make it like CGI dog? You think it'd be your? Think they'd make a real dog? I, a real I, dog? I think you would get some CGI in there, but I think you could also do it mostly real dog. Like I, I, I think the, the smart filmmaker would do the thing where you sweeten it a little bit with CGI and and not just whole cloth try to make. Like if you do a cartoon dog, it's going to be stupid. Right. Yeah. So I, I don't, I don't think you can get away with that. But again, the original movie, it, it works. Like you just get a dog. That's a trained dog, you know, like dog jump at this window. <laughs> you know, that's kind of all you need dog to do and look fucked up. Yeah. Fair enough. Growl dog. Arr. Good dog. <laughs> I could direct Cujo right now. <laughs> I say do that and give it the original ending. Uh, man, you know, as I get older, I don't know that I want that ending all the time. Uh, man, I do. <laughs> I, I I know, but like that's a real bummer of an ending. And it was kind of my problem with the ending of life, which was like, well, this is the most obvious thing to do here instead of respecting the struggle of your characters and at any rate um yeah i don't know i i there's something i like about you know if you're going to go through this struggle let's not have the kid die <laughs> like horribly in the backseat of this car beset by a rabid dog like keep in mind this was the book that stephen king didn't remember writing because of the cocaine bender he was on when it happened <laughs> So I think we can dick with the ending a little bit and not get into the territory of artistic integrity <laughs> on this one. <laughs> like in your coke binge, I know you killed a baby, but we're not going to do that this time because <laughs> we're not all on cocaine. Well, I'm not even, I don't care about artistic integrity. I just, you know, like it in movies when kids get killed. I don't. <laughs> and I love cocaine. but I'm that's kind no of notorious reason. for that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> I still want I still want a, a proper stand adaptation. God damn it! Of the the Stephen King novel, yes. not the REM song. No, okay, no. Uh, and the, it looks real good. It looks so good. Oh god. Yeah, yeah. That those trailers have been. I, I well, they somebody leaked the. Uh, they put up 
like a four minute scene in front of Annabelle and that got leaked on the internet and I saw it and it was real fucking good. I'm I'm just not watching anything at this point. It, it's like, look, I'm in the back. I'm going to go see this. I don't, I don't want to know anything other than the day it comes out and when I can see it. I right. don't want to see any other trailer. I don't want to see any scenes. It, it definitely, if, if somebody tries to show good. me one, I'm going to punch them. It was introduced by Stephen yes. King. Right. And I was just, because you never see him anymore. Like, he never does a docs or interviews or, I mean, he just is kind of, yeah, we just watched man. a creep show doc and he was nowhere to be found. And it just, and that kind of makes me sad. It's almost like there's a disconnect. So when he actually introduced this clip, I was like, what? And it did look really good. And I know he's, because I follow him on Twitter mm-hmm. and he is actually very excited about this. So that's cool. Yeah. He was also real excited about Dark Tower. It's yeah, like, he was. <laughs> yeah. And he also directed Maximum Overdrive. Hey, hey, hey look. There is no greater defender than me Coke, of Maximum Coke. Overdrive. Yeah, Coke. no, I saw I saw the trailer for that the other day for the first time because I never. I'm gonna scare the hell out of I've you. I've never seen Maximum Overdrive. Oh, I've only been aware good. of it, and I watched that trailer. I was like, wow. So this is just unfiltered Stephen King id on the screen, and Coke, and somebody was like, oh yeah, and ACDC does the score, and I'm like, of course they do. Yeah, yeah. And it was just like, you wow. You should do that on VD Clinic. We probably should. Because that is the most Stephen King-ass thing I've ever... Just, Of course the, the, the machines are, gonna kill, are killing everyone. Of course they are. It's, it is... I gotta tell you. It's not great. It is super fun, though. Oh, yeah. And it looks... It looks... Like I said... It, I enjoy it. and But you just have to keep telling yourself. I mean, you excused him for a killing... A, you excused him for killing a child with, the, with Coke. You have to excuse this entire <laughs> film with Coke. Yeah, absolutely. No, that, that, the, I'm okay with that. It's like, yeah, were he is, and Toby Hooper like best friends or something? Did they hang out a lot? I'm sure. Uh, like, this is the movie that Cocaine built. Um, it, it, like, the, the story I always loved about Maximum Overdrive was uh, that every copy of the film that was sent out to theaters was shipped with a note saying, play this movie as loud as you can. And and that's this movie. It's a big dumb ACDC truck killing music video that don't make no sense. And <laughs> Emilio Estevez has the charisma of most most standing bodies of water. Uh, You've got Yardley Smith screaming at. The she's amazing in it. Pat Hingle is amazing in it. Um, like there there are folks in the movie who understand what movie they're in Mm -hmm. and Milo Estevez just isn't one of them. Uh And he plays it a little too straight and Yardley Smith knows what she's doing. She is Curtis. Oh, it's so good. And, and (laughs) the Stephen King cameo, like this machine called me an asshole (laughs) is. Oh, yeah, I just sweet, he's... sweet Colombian cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> Him introducing the trailer with that beard and the cross eyes. And oh, I'm yeah. like, oh my God, you are not only coked out, but you're like crazy bearded weirdo Uncle Stevie. Because I grew oh, you know, I grew so up good. with Stephen King like clean shaven and not crazy looking. So like whenever I go back and see like his stuff from the seventies and he's got the, the big beard and the, the crazy eyes, I'm like, oh right. 
Oh yeah, I remember reading the hardbacks. Yeah, you know, these are like the late seventies, early eighties releases of right. the Stephen King novels, and it was crazy bearded Uncle Steve on them. Mm-hmm. Where it was like, well, shit, like half the scare of this book is knowing that this crazy looking motherfucker was right writing it and probably did it. <laughs> Whatever that thing was, lived in a haunted hotel, was a vampire for a bit, was, you know, a menstruating girl with <laughs> telekinetic powers, had done it all. Uh, all right. Let's get on to the, the gauntlet of John Rhodes questions. Mm. All right. Uh, first up, what book would you like to see made into a film? I'm assuming he means horror novel. Yeah, uh, Light at the End. Yeah, okay. I could see that. Uh, I would actually go with The Bridge. Oh, that's that's probably a better answer in the Skip Inspector world. I was looking for some Skip Inspector books, uh, not because I don't have them, mm-hmm. but I always pick them up when I see them out yeah. at a used place because I give them away to people like, read this fucking thing. All right. And uh, um, was thinking about that just recently. So, yeah, The Bridge is, oh, that would make a great movie. Yeah, it would. Did I ever tell you guys that I always, that it, I used to think that was one guy and his name was Skip Inspector? And I am dead serious about that. Whenever people would talk about it and say, Skip Inspector, Skip Inspector, I was like, oh, Skip Inspector. Like- I, I I think you had actually told me that at one point. <laughs> <laughs> I can corroborate your broken brain. <laughs> oh. oh, man. You know, any other time, I actually come off pretty intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> Something about this show. <laughs> um, uh, oh, we're dragging admit, you down. It drives me to admit to some of the craziest bullshit that goes on in my head. Um, oh, book for me would be. Uh, what is the name of that book? The, the Bible. By that, by that <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's already been done. Um, <laughs> in, or at least several stories. Um. City is it City of the City of the Dead? What is the the first book in the um what is his name? Oh my god. Brian Keane. Brian Oh Keen. the Rising? Oh like the oh, Necropolis yes. stuff. <laughs> Necropolis Yeah, and uh, the, the Rising, I think, is the first one. Yeah. I've always wanted to see that. I think I think that would be cool, especially where the guy comes home and he his pregnant wife, um, he confronts his like he comes in. Duh. He sees his pregnant wife who is now dead. She's now a zombie. And like there's the baby zombie baby who is like eating its way from the inside out. Uh, I just think that would be like a horrific image. And I've always wanted to see. I just like that story too. I've always wanted to see that adapted. Again with the dead kids. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. There's something. Well, I mean, I think what it is is it. It. Uh, there's something really extra horrific about that. So it kind of grabs you, you know, in the gut. <laughs> it's my maternal instincts. You know what? That's what that is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the, the one of the words I've always used to describe you. <laughs> Maternal and nurturing. 
<laughs> like Joan Crawford. <laughs> yeah, yeah, real mommy dearest kind of gal. What about you, Ashley? Don't say that too loud. I was a nanny, you know. <laughs> I don't I read. I read. I don't. As far as books, I mostly read nonfiction, so I don't get into a lot of fiction. But I've been passed along. I've been past some graphic novels here and there. And there's one. There's an independent one called Harriet Tubman Demon Slayer. And I think that would be really cool to see on screen if it could be done successfully. It, it kind of it kind of feels like the graphic novel feels like kind of an offshoot of Sleepy Hollow when it was good. Okay. So I think that'd be pretty neat. But yeah, I read mostly nonfiction and dry, boring theory okay. and make it fun. That actually sounds like a very cool title, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I can I can kind of picture her doing that. Exactly. I, yeah, it, it, one of those things like, man, d- don't fuck that up because that could go so wrong so <laughs> quick. Yeah, that too. Uh, you got to get the tone of that thing right. Otherwise, a lot of people are going to be upset. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, let's skip that one and that one because I want to. Uh, I don't want All right. Uh, John Hose has a bunch of boring questions about VHS, but the main one I'm going to go with is. Um, no, I don't want to hear anything from John Rhodes because he, I sent out a challenge to him to see if he actually listened. Do you remember this? Yeah. I, I challenged him to see if he actually read these or listened to the answers to these questions. I never heard back. He, he never he responded. He listened to 31 because he fucking bitched about it being a hack job or a hatchet job. I don't care. He didn't answer my challenge, so I'm not answering his questions. Until he responds to that challenge, I personally will not answer his questions all right that's all i'm saying you guys can okay well that yeah we're going to because it's all we have left <laughs> questions. right it's, it's a segment we do on the show so um and I'm, like i said i'm gonna skip a bunch of these fucking questions about vhs because i really don't care but the, the one i'm gonna go with is is there still room in your lives for vhs or has has the outdated format lived its course yeah it fucking outlived its core it was yeah DVD replaced it. I was like, cool. I don't have to deal with this shit anymore. Um, well, that's wrong. Uh, no, so... I mean, like, I get that, like, I respect that there's shit on VHS that you can't get on DVD or Blu-ray. I get that. However, it's still a shitty format. It fucking sucks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is not the preferred way to see a film, but there are a handful of things you can only get on VHS. And there is a certain, there are certain films that should be seen on VHS quite frankly that were made to distribute (laughs) on VHS. Right. They knew the limitations of the format. They, that's why when you watch them, this stuff on Blu-ray, it looks particularly bad because it was never supposed to look very good. Right. So, yeah, I, I think there's a place for it, but it's 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 historical at this point. It is right. not like this ain't going to come back like vinyl. No, I mean, it, it, I know people are into it, which is all fine, but uh... right. Nobody's going to be like, oh, we're releasing this on Blu-ray DVD. And also you can get a clamshell VHS like, why on earth would I watch a movie that way if it were also intended to ever be on Blu-ray? Um, it's, yeah, it's not great. But, th- th- you know, that being said, when I see the roll of a scan line or something, I, you know, does my heart good. 
feels like I'm about to watch something inappropriate. <laughs> That's a good question. Um, it, for me, it's outrun its course. I kind of held on pretty hard and fast for a while, not too long, obviously, because I kind of, I, I kind of like DVD. I kind of like DVD, and then Blu-ray was even better. So I do have like so my basement is mostly the VHSs I did keep and cause I don't want to get rid of them. It's kind of like, you know, they, they still feel like a part of a part of a piece of your history. So I like, mm. so I'm still holding on to them. And I do have a, a VHS player down there somewhere too, that may still work. I'm not even sure. But then there's this perplexing thing that ha- that some people um, use, like they will put um, newer, newer films or short films on as a compilation on a VHS. And right. I don't understand how that's, feasible or like like who's going to be able to watch it like it's it's cute as a novelty but i don't know why people are still producing these i guess i i there is i i guess it, it goes back to that documentary we rewind this there's two documentaries about vhs collectors or vhs like enthusiasts mm-hmm. so i i guess people are still watching them i i'm not, i'm just not one of them yeah i mean re- i've seen rewind this that's it's interesting but i'm like god damn you're bald really pretentious hipsters which fucking session with fucking vhs i I get it yeah i I know some people love it i know mo loves it um and more power to you i still have all my vhs i and there's and there are some that i won't get rid of because there are things that you can't right that um like say for instance there will be special features on a couple that i have that have not been Mm -hmm. when they upgraded that or when they went to a different format they didn't take those special features with them also, I have the original VHS, and Brian <laughs> makes fun of me for this, but I, I'm very serious about it. I have the original VHS of The Crush. I'm never getting rid of that because that's the only way I like to watch that movie. Because in in the future releases of that film, for legal reasons, they had to change the name of the character from Darian to Adrian. And... It's weird to me to watch to watch that film and have them call her Adrian, and I don't like it. So whenever I watch that movie, I like to watch it on VHS so I can get her name as Darian. And the uh, story behind that is that when the guy wrote the film, he was actually pulling from a real-life incident that he had experienced, and he was living on the property of these people's home and their daughter who had the crush her name was darian so he used the real and it was kind of stupid of him to do it to begin with to be honest but he used her real name and then when her parents caught wind of the film they're like oh hell no and so they sued him and so he had to change the name in the future releases of it but on the original vhs release it still has the her name as darian so for that like i that's the only way i like to watch that one no, I agree with that too. I have an original Nightbreed VHS, and I think the intro that Clive Barker does—I don't think that's on the Blu-ray. I'm not sure, but I love it so much I can't get rid of that, and I like watching it. Some well, if I did have it set up, I would love to watch it again. But I think it might be even on YouTube. I don't know, but I still love it because it has that feature, and I don't think the Blu-ray does. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I guess. There are some reasons to keep them. Well, sure, but I'm, um, you know. Eventually, though, they're gonna. 
I mean, because VHS just is, it doesn't stick around, right. you know, I mean, it I mean, degrades. It's, it, it's at this point, if you're going to keep these movies, you might as well just transfer them to digital, like make copies from the tapes to your computer or something. So you have a backup for when the tapes. Well, which I actually break. have done. I've done that with a couple of things. I did. I did that with, <laughs> of all things, Rawhead Rex. Yeah, yes. Um, <laughs> because before, and now that's out and available. Yes. On on <laughs> coming rather, I'm not sure if it's out. It's yet, coming. But no, yeah, it's, it's coming, coming on Blu-ray. So that will no longer be an issue. But for years, that was the only way to get it, and I watched it so often that I transferred it to DVD, so I wouldn't degrade the videotape. The other one I did that with before it was available on Blu-ray because it had only ever come out. Uh, I don't think it ever got a DVD release was um visiting hours and i had oh, that yeah. i had the original yeah. vhs of that and so i copied that one on to dvd I think that's so a, that i could watch it get know. a dvd release i think it was a split with um i've seen it as a split yeah yeah i forget with what yeah i've seen it as a split in blu-ray i didn't know if it ever got a dvd release. i think it did because i remember the trailer for visiting hour because we, we talked about this when we did visiting it when we did visiting hours it was. I remember the the trailer from the Cemetery Man DVD, and it was that and some other fucking horror movie that I can't think of now. And I couldn't think of it then either. But that's a thing. It exists. Okay. Well, then I did that. No, I did that for nothing. I guess. <laughs> it's. Okay. I just wanted to. And I you also, also answered John Rhodes' question. I know I did. I can't help it. <laughs> the, the other thing, the over, I was over here biting my tongue, going, "God damn it!" You just, just, oh, damn you, John Rhodes. The, <laughs> the other thing I transferred was the the Clue VHS game. Mm. I took the VHS from that game and transferred it to DVD, which is actually good for n- numerous reasons. One, it, it, I do like to play that game. And, uh, but on DVD, you can break it up into chapters. And if you have ever played that game, then you will understand why that's important and why that is so much better than VHS. (laughs) Makes sense. Okay. Final question. How do you interpret the Phantasm series and when will we, when will we be covering it? I don't, I've never seen anything past the first one, and I don't really know if we're ever going to do that series, because I don't really feel like watching all of those fucking movies. Honestly. The first three are are fun. The second one in particular is kind of fun. They I was going to say, David would love the second one. Yeah, they take it a very Evil Dead 2 kind of direction. Okay. And, and... So Phantasm 3 is is kind of more of that. Mm-hmm. And then Phantasm 4 gets real heavy into the mythology in a way that I don't particularly care for. Right. And it doesn't end very well. And then Ravager came out, and I thought that was uh, real boring. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a tough set. Fair enough. And when are we going to do it? I mean, yeah. I don't think... We should. Yeah, we're not really going to be doing a lot of big franchises anymore just because the way we're doing the show now. Um, I did that on the Skeleton Crew. Right. And I I don't want to. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. I did that once. Yeah. I actually did that twice because I did it before Ravager came out. I did the first four on John Cross's show. Mm. Oh, and yeah. um, which, by the way, if you haven't checked that out, you should. It's after Movie Diner. And he did a he did an amazing interview with Reggie Bannister. That's part of that episode. And I recommend listening to that episode, not for me, but for Reggie Bannister, because that, that interview is really fun. So if you are a fan of that series, you should want to check that out, because Reggie's awesome. And then we covered the whole series when Ravager came out on Skeleton Crew. I just really don't really need have the need to go back through it again um, after talking about it extensively twice, you know. Yeah. So, uh, But I pretty much mirror what Bo said. Actually, don't dislike four as much as most people do, but I definitely thought five. I didn't want five. I did. I I was not one of those people that was like, "We need this." I never thought we did. To me, I, I would have been perfectly happy if the series stopped after the first one because they changed the tone. I think the second one was fun, but it was not the same thing. I love the atmosphere of the original film. Mm-hmm. I think it's actually scary. It's um, kind of creeps into your brain. It doesn't completely make sense. None of that series does. But with the first one, that's kind of the beauty of it because it's very dreamlike. Yeah. And uh, yeah. it has that amazing score. The tall man is so imposing and creepy. I love it. And I would have been perfectly happy if that he just stopped right there. All right. All right, well, that's it for SDTP. Here we will be right back with our feature review. Coming soon. Coming soon. I remember the story like this. It was a dark and scary night, kind of like tonight. 25 years ago, a horrible crime was committed in the town of Cherry Falls. Now. You haven't heard about Rod and Stacy? Did they break up? Break up! Wake up! They're dead! What their parents hid in the past. Nobody has seen or heard of her for over 25 years. Mom, do you know anything about a woman named Laura Lee Sherman? No. Why? Is haunting the present. Who is it? Is your mom home? No. She didn't tell you I was coming by. Four teenagers have been killed. A fifth viciously attacked. All victims appeared to be virgins. Everyone's decided to take themselves off the endangered species list and have sex. I need to ask you a personal question. About how far you've gone, base-wise? Can you go further? Tell me about Laura Lee Sherman. Tell me. That was 25 years ago. Do you think she goes all the way? Doubt it. This is my post. I can't just flip. Cherry Falls. Don't you want your first time to be something beautiful, something romantic?
And now, our feature presentation. Universal Pictures is proud to present the motion picture directing debut of one of America's most talented and respected artists. Cut! Cut, 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 cut! Oh, hello, kitties. So glad you could join me. Your pal, the Crypt Keeper, has gone Hollywood in a big way. I'm directing my first feature film. Care for a little shriek preview? <laughs> for my big screen premiere, I wanted lots of suspense. Uh-oh. Special effects. Sex. Yeah. Violence. The kind of thing you could really sink your teeth into. Hi! Frights! Camera! Action! It's about a chase through the ages. A race against time. <laughs> the war between good and evil. Come on out, everybody! It's time to play! And the final battle between man... I'm sorry. ...and demon. I'm not gonna hurt you. I lied. It stars Billy Zane from Dead Calm, William Sadler from Die Hard 2, and Jada Pinkett from Menace to Society. Ooh, I love those titles. And you'll love Demon Knight. The demons are here! And ladies, if you think Demon Knight is too gross and yucky... Wow! Thank you! <laughs> Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight. This was released in 1995, and the synopsis is... A man on the run is hunted by a demon known as the Collector. This was directed by Ernest R. Dickerson. Written by Ethan Reef, Cyrus Voris, and Mark Bishop. The star is John Kassir as the Crypt Keeper, Billy Zane as the Collector, William mm-hmm. Sadler. Thank you. I knew, I knew, John Justice Wheeler was going to make an appearance because he fucking looks like him. Oh my god! All right, uh, William Sadler is a uh, breaker. Jada Pinkett Smith is uh, was it Geraldine? Yeah, Geraldine. I think she was just Jada Pinkett back then. Yes, she was. Yeah. Uh, Brenda Bake as Cordelia, CCH Pounder as Irene, Dick Miller, who is awesome, as Uncle Willie. Thomas Hayden Church is Roach. Uh, John Shuck is Sheriff Tupper. Gary Farmer is Deputy Bob Martell. Charles Fleischer is Wally Einfield. Tim Desarn is Homer. Uh, Sherry Rose is Wanda. Ryan Donahue is Danny. And Tony Salome is Sriracha. Holy shit, y'all. It's a real fun movie. Wait, yep. but who played that bus driver at the end? I don't know. I didn't get that. <laughs> Well, you named everybody else. I'm practically. This was your first time seeing seeing it, Dave, right? Yes. I remember it coming out and wanting to see it when it came out, but I was like nine and there was no way in hell my parents were going to let me see this fucking movie. (laughs) Although I did see Bordello of Blood a couple years later and that movie's not very good. No, yeah, like if you if that's your only sense of these Tales from the Crypt movies, not like there are a ton of them. There's There's three. Yeah, and the last one I never saw, but it just—I think it was directed video. Right. Yeah, yeah, but this is what the Tales from the Crypt movie ought to have been. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Even with the dodgy CGI at the very beginning of the Crypt Keeper walking around, that was not good. Um, otherwise, I thought like I loved the intro to this. I thought that was fantastic, and it felt like watching an episode of the show. 
and in the movie itself and like the actual story that we get with the you know billy zane chasing fucking william sadler is amazing and it's yeah it's fucking great the special effects are really good the 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 minor cgi in the movie it's not too bad um the practicals are all fucking fantastic and yeah it's fucking great it's super fun i don't know how they fucked up the second one or the third (laughs) one Yeah, it, it, and let's not undersell Billy Zane. No, he's fucking fantastic. Billy Zane is amazing in this movie. Um, like he is the perfect blend of menacing, but having a good time being menacing. Yes. Um, it, it never goes too deep into camp where you can't take the character seriously. Mm-hmm. Right. But there's that. Like when he first gets kicked out, like when when uh, they first seal up the uh, the church and whatnot, and he does the whole like you you know, like yeehaw, goddamn motherfuckers! Like <laughs> that moment makes you fall in love with him as a villain. Yeah, of him expressing that moment of rage and then being like, okay, sorry, I'm good now. We're all cool. <laughs> you know, it's Brimley in the thing. Like I'm all right. I want to come inside now. Right. And it's like, no, no, you keep most certainly cannot come inside Wilford Brimley. That is a crazy thing for you to say. And there was a, clearly a noose hanging behind you. Right. Um, so <laughs> anyway, but I think Billy Zane's great in this. Um, Jada Pinkett is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And as a, uh, a red blooded American male, there is a moment, like I saw this when it came out mm-hmm. and a, as a, you know, arguably, understandably, uh, stupid twenty-two-year-old when when this movie came out, that shot of Jada Pinkett, like when she gets all bloodied up mm-hmm. and is doing her like uh, uh, like gymnastics bit. Oh yeah, and it's like, God damn, Jada Pinkett, <laughs> and I like. I'm sorry, I hate to be period about it, but there there are just those moments in cinema. Where you're like, you're going to be a star. (laughs) And not just because she's incredibly hot in this movie, but just like she has such screen presence. Mm -hmm. And it's like, man, you're she's fantastic in this. All the little cameos, Dick Miller, uh, Thomas Hayden Church makes a great dumb foil uh, in this film. He's he's wonderful. And I don't think he's necessarily a great actor, but this is the perfect part for him. Yeah. Yeah. it like the whole thing just totally works. And even the very end when uh like the bus, the the last shot of her on the bus, and there's the the new follower mm-hmm. that's like, No thanks, I'll get the next one, and you're just like, Oh man, this movie even stuck the landing. Damn. Uh yeah, I think Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight is one of those movies that like I said, I watched it a bunch of times uh since we talked about doing it. Just because after I watched it again after a while, it it I had such a great time with it. It's just been kind of the movie I've thrown on in the background when I'm doing other stuff. And then I'll look up when the kid's face splits apart. And <laughs> the big tongue comes out. I'm like, oh, that's gnarly. This is, this is a great movie. Right? So, yeah. Great. I don't remember when I first saw it. Probably on television. Um 
But I had this, so in the 90s, I was a teenager and I was having this weird uh, uh, obsession with Billy Zane. And I would watch all of his like offshoot movies where he was pretty much the same character in every single movie. He played that like charming but insane kind of person. And I don't know why I found that so attractive, but I did. And I was watching these movies that were just way too inappropriate for like a 13, 14 year old, but I love them anyway. Um and so Demon Knight came on my radar and then it just, it, and because it's horror and I love horror, it, it, it became something bigger for me, especially seeing Jada Pinkett in such a standout role where you never saw black final girls. And mm-hmm. that was really important to me. And I think really poignant. And then as I learned more about the film in general, just, just at having a black director and his influence on um, casting with like, you know, CCH Pounder was really great. in it. again, she's, pretty much great in any, everything. Like, I just recently saw her in RoboCop 3, and I know that's not a good movie, but she was super fun in it as well. So um, just all these different um, components that you that both of you just mentioned, I think, make the film really great. It has a, it has a really great <laughs> ensemble cast. And again, it does really balance the horror and com- and comedy very, 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 very well and effective. So, And that's why I chose it. Um, it's not a movie that like a lot of people talk about I feel in podcast land and I feel like it's it's a it's a really good fun movie just like you said you know when you mentioned CCH Pounder I have to tell you I have this recurring nightmare (laughs) where CCH Pounder is very disappointed in me oh (laughs) and it's just and it's just telling me all about how I've let her and all of my friends down, and it's horrifying. I can imagine. Yeah. I don't ever want to let down CCH Pounder. Right? Really? Yeah, I mean, and, and like when she gets serious, it's like it's that sad serious. Oh, it just breaks your heart. Man, that would make me cry. That's like, um, that'd be like when my softball coach would have to talk to me about something. And then I would just start crying when he was saying he was never mean. Like he was never, ever mean to me. It wasn't that it was just that if I was, if I had done something that disappointed him, it broke my heart. And so I just start crying and (laughs) I can see CCH pounder walking up to me with that look on her face when she gets that stern look, you know, and I'd be like, I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah. It was like, it's the CCH pounder from warehouse 13. It's that character getting real, (laughs) real upset with me. Oh, just it's, it's rough. Um, sorry. I didn't mean a therapy all over the I think that's I, I think that's this obvious that's not her real name. I'm not sure if that is what's the word acronym? I don't know if that's the right word for it, but um I th- I think she is she's I forget what country in Africa she is from, but originally, but I think her name I think her name is short for something or does mean something. I forget, but it I think it's on IMDb. But okay. yeah. Yeah, I figured it was probably an acronym for like three really long names or something. And then just like, eh, we'll just shorten it to this. All right, I'm on um, it. All right. <laughs> uh, CCH stands for Carol Christine Hilaria, which okay, is her well, birth name. The... So... Gotcha. Those are all normal names. Or not yeah. normal, but I mean. <laughs> it's Miss Hilaria, no, if you're yeah. nasty. <laughs> <laughs> That's why she's just what I mean you. is average, you know, so um, not really. It's not like they're difficult to pronounce or anything. So I wonder why not she ethnic. decided to go for that. I don't know. Why not just she, Carol? 
Yeah, she's also 5'7", and I appreciate that. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. I'm glad that this show took a detour into, hey, you know who's awesome? CCH Pounder. (laughs) Because she is. She's a great character actress. She's been in everything. Yeah, that was yeah. that was the as I was watching the credits for this, and I was like, I know all these names, and I'm recognizing when I see them. But I'm like, why do I recognize all these names? I was like, oh, that's why because this movie's populated by oh, it's that guy. It's it, yeah, and again, Ernest Dickerson very wisely getting all these great character actors to right. fill these roles, up to right. and including William Sadler, yeah. who's not a really a leading man kind of guy. He's a character actor. And and is great in this movie as well. Like yeah. we ha- haven't really talked about him much, but William Sadler's great, and mm-hmm. he's great in this. Mm-hmm. And How we told it's you know uh, uh, what, uh, just one of those movies that like everywhere you look in this film, something kind of fun or funny or interesting or or just generally kind of cool is happening. Yeah, and yeah. and up to and including all the dumb like. Uh, 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 Crypt Keeper puns like you know good evening ladies and ghouls yeah. like even all that stuff feels so charming in this movie where like like the last gag of him being led to the guillotine and him making the, the gag about like oh I you know I, I was I promised final, final cut, cut yeah. yeah yeah it's like that's a good joke yeah uh, so yeah I think this movie cover to cover it's it's imminently watchable yeah what also goes by very quickly. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's one of those movies that I always forget how quickly it goes by and how enjoyable it is until I'm watching it again. And then I'm like, oh, oh okay. You know, and I don't, I don't know why, but I, for, I forget that. And then I watch it and then I always enjoy it way more than I remembered that I did. It's not that I ever think it's bad. Like, I'm never like, oh, damn it. I don't want to watch that movie. But it's. Uh, it's always way more fun than I give it credit for being. Yeah. <clears throat> and I love Billy Zane. And um, Ashley, you are not wrong um, <laughs> about going through that Billy Zane thing. I, at the same time, was going through that also with. Um... Oh, shit. I can't remember his name. I do this does. all the time. Things <laughs> fall you, off bro. my. Things fall out of my head. Um, I'm sorry. Mr. Well, Miller. anyway, other guy. Um, <laughs> he um, he is perfect in this role. Mm-hmm. I there's one thing though that makes me sad, and that's when he takes off the duster, because like when he's wearing the hat and that duster, I just and he takes it's, off the hat. That's fine, but that coat breaks my heart because I just think that's really hot. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Look like cool. it's a look I wish I could get away with and totally can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's yummy. And uh <laughs> and the interesting thing to me about the Jada Pinkett role is I never like her in the beginning. And I just oh I'm like I just I can't stand her character because like CCH Pounder is talking to her and she's like see that's just really hard to get out of your mouth like you feel like you have to say the whole thing like I can't <laughs> like CCH after me CCH Pounder CCH Pounder anyway she um like when she's talking to her and then the, the Jada character has that attitude you know and then she's like. I don't. She she just comes across as really lazy and and like like she's got a chip on her shoulder, 
And she's just like, ah, I mean, I don't know. I just don't like that character. And then she has such an interesting arc where, and when, when it happens for me is when you find out that she has the cat and she wants to, she wants to go after the cat. Like she wants the, she wants to make sure her cat's safe. And then I'm like, well, she's not so bad. And then <laughs> finally something you can relate to with yeah. this character. Okay. And then by the time we get to the end of the film, I like her and you know, quite I'm on her side. And I really love that scene where he's attempting to seduce her and they're having the dance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, even though her underwear is inexplicably white after being covered in blood just mm -hmm. five minutes before, what is in their water, I want to know, that all he does is dunk her under the bathtub and suddenly it's all white again. I'm like, what the hell is in their water? Um, it's magic. Anyway, that bleach. Yeah, yeah, I chalk that up to just uh, demon magic, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, probably. I'll give it. I'll give it that. Uh, that, but that whole scene where he, there, where he's dancing with her and he's attempting to seduce her, I love that scene. And then it's just at that point, I she has this, she has these expressions that she uses because she can't talk because she's got the blood in her mouth, mm -hmm. and she's waiting for the opportune moment. But her face is so expressive the entire time, and I, I feel. Like during that moment, like we're all like right there with her. And I just, I'm like, God, I just, I really like her character at that point, which is interesting because in the beginning of the film, I actually said when we were watching it, I'm like, God, I hate her in this movie. <laughs> and I was like, everybody always talks about how amazing she is in this movie. I fucking hate her. <laughs> and it was, I just always felt like she was over the top. Like it was just too chip on the shouldery and just I don't know she annoys me well then by the time we get to the end her arc is so dynamic that I'm like oh, I really like her <laughs> so it's funny and I go through that every time I watch the film it's almost like I forget the ending of the film when I go to watch the beginning and then I'm like god I hate her and then we get to the end and I'm like oh I really like her and it happens every time it's so weird um uh I would not tell that story a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's a good thing. I mean, I think that I, th I think that her arc was intended to be that strong, and that the fact that she makes me dislike her as much, only to really like her in the end, is a credit uh, to the character as well as to the actress because she pulls it off. But. Yeah, I think, um. so I think so, too. I was going to say, because maybe, and also because of how she, how she's, how she's acting in the beginning, I feel like, is her character supposed to be younger than what we're seeing on screen? Like, is, is she supposed to be, is she supposed to be red younger? Because that's, I, I feel like those, those sort of like, you know, chip, chip on the shoulder beats just is like, uh, shows a sign of her immaturity and I think that's m probably why and then you do kind of see that interesting arc like she like she kind of looks like a 20 something year old but maybe she's supposed to be like you know 17 18 I don't know I, I yeah I can, see, well, no, I can see I yeah. can see that because she does sort of seem like a like a teenager who is um I, I don't know bucking authority right um, well and that's the whole arc is like she's resistant to authority and doesn't want to do things for other people and the end of the movie is her taking on this burden, which is literally saving all people. And yeah, yeah so, so I, it's... I think it works. I think the fact that she sells it so hard in the other direction in the beginning really makes the ending pay off. 
And uh, you mentioned the very end uh, about the new follower not getting on the but I love that moment. Yeah. Because again, every I don't know what it is about this movie. It's like a, it's like I completely wipe the slate clean every time I watch this movie, and then I go to watch it. It's like I've never seen it before. But at the end, when she's putting the drop of blood on the on the bus step, I'm like, ah, she's so paranoid. You know? <laughs> and then I'm like, because I'd be paranoid about using too much of the blood, you know. I'm like, oh, I gotta, you know, I would save it for really important moments. And then right after that, you know, she sits down on the bus. They stop the bus and the one guy's standing there and he's like, no, thanks. I'll get the next one. I'm like, oh, my God, good call. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's, and that's one of my scary to think, you know, he's right there. Like he will always be right there. Yeah. Well, you got to shake him for a while, I, I guess. Uh, but th- that was always one of my big problems with the end of this movie is the exact opposite of that. Well, like she's so cavalier using the blood like she she rubs on ourselves she's you know taking big swigs of it to spit it at billy zane and it's like hey 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 look i know you're heady with all this blood you just got out of william sadler but it's gotta last like 80 years yeah that shit's gotta (laughs) last so like i get it we're in a tough spot now but let's let's not go wading in it you know no i agree that yeah, no, that always tripped me up too. I, 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 what I marveled at was the cleverness of the use of the blood. Even though, yes, yeah, she used it way too liberally, but at the same time, it was pretty dope. Like I've never seen, like, I've never seen such ingenuity. I guess in the final girl, like to cover to cover yourself in the blood, which I thought was really in, in, um, ingenious for the, within the context of, of of this film. And then, um, of course, spitting it at him, I thought was pretty cool too. Instead of just doing something a lot more, I guess not creative so right. to speak but yeah and we also set that up in the earlier scene where he tries to convince it to let her in set to 1-800-SUPERSIDE by uh, Gravediggers mm-hmm. I appreciate that there's a really yeah, good there's some really good soundtrack uh, choices on this in this movie it's like Cemetery Gates yeah. is playing by Pantera at one point mm-hmm. and whatever the always song a good choice be. I don't care what it's backing yeah and uh, the opening scene has a, what is it is it Filter yeah, filter. Hey man, yeah. nice shot. Yeah, which yeah, yeah. Is like that song got way overplayed, but it's still kind of a rad song. Yeah, so. it works so well in that scene. It really does. Billy and, Zane is just driving that car, and you're just like, oh fuck. Yeah, and, yeah. This is a movie too that much like Lethal Weapon two. Um, just I say that every day. stick with me it's gonna pay off (laughs) just starts with a bang like that like lethal weapon 2 opens with mel gibson (laughs) noted fascist mel gibson like pounding on the roof of the car just like woo and it's like fucking hey this movie doesn't like we're not screwing around here and and this does that too where you just like after the intro of the false movie Mm -hmm. it starts with a car chase and like this movie just moves and moves and moves and moves right uh all the way up to the end it's man it's snappy i I, it's what hour 45 i think oh man feels tight yeah it really does does. and it feels just like the show feels just like an yeah well that was a big thing on that series It was HBO All in the early the days. Yeah, just everywhere. I mean, just it just uh, that scene where Dick Miller is having his fantasy. Yes, uh, and then it's just I'm like, damn, 
Like, I mean, they're just, <laughs> they're everywhere. That is a lot of boobs. It's not like just a little bit. It's there, tons of, like, holy crap. There, there is a, a whiff of 80s horror in this movie. And that's one of those moments of yeah. just like, hey, let's just throw a bunch of titties on the screen. And, and so that's what they do. And also the special effects feel very grounded in that kind of gooey 80s yeah. vibe and, yeah. and billy zane's reanimator blood up for sure and oh I love man the look at the demons yeah the demons mm-hmm. look super good uh, the, the glowing the glowing eyed glowing mouth mm-hmm. demons mm-hmm. of this thing are are great like all the creature design is is really fantastic yeah um yeah it oh man i got like, a real, I've, I've, uh, night of the demons demons uh vibe from this but but kind of more slick and polished yeah. than either of yeah. those yeah. like a, a lot more mainstream absolutely yeah and and palatable it's it, it it's such a super good popcorn movie yeah it really is um as long as it's like hey uh are you cool with seeing uh, a fair amount of gore and a and lot boobs. of yeah and a lot of inappropriate nudity and if so <laughs> have i got the movie for you <laughs> the creature design kind of reminds me of a cross between like legend and Sam Raimi. And I say legend because Glix specifically sticks in my head, the character and, 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 and the slickness of that, because it has like a, like a higher budget feel to it. And I don't know some, I don't know who did the creature design in here. Was it Jaeger? Uh, I don't think so. Let me look. I did not look into that. Uh, anyway, I like it. I like it. I like the... Uh, I really like the... And this is going to seem stupid, I guess, to, to, to really like. But you mentioned the glowing part. I specifically like the color of the glow. I just, if it was yellower or greener or bluer or any other other, I just, I wouldn't love it as much. But it's that specific neon-y, so greenish was color. Not, oh yeah, he did do, yeah. um, he did some of it, but it was his production company who did most oh, of okay. the effects. <clears throat> as all well right. as uh, Todd Master's company shows up all over the place on... Mm on that as well so it looks like a, a a couple of artists as well as all the digital folks but yeah uh, probably people who've worked on the, who worked on the show as well i you would think so that there's probably folks who are responsible for that crib keeper yeah makeup oh, yeah. that are getting well, that's, credit yeah there that's why well. i said that's why i said jaeger because uh of the i figured he would be involved because of the crib keeper and then mm-hmm. he um i just didn't know if they would get someone else to do the demon stuff or, you know, I got to tell you that like, uh, speaking of killing kids as we have all night, (laughs) um, the, when the kid goes all demonic, right. That's a really effective looking makeup. I think that looks incredibly eerie. Yeah. That was really cool. And and so, all right, just out of curiosity, David, Mm. since I know we talked about, you having never seen it before, like the moment you turned it off, where you just like, you know, <laughs> like, 
<laughs> did you just throw up the devil horns or like what how did how did, how did it land with you oh it was great i i loved it pretty much from jump um like it it opened with the the classic intro and i was like all right that's neat and then the false start and i was like okay and like really the only thing about that false start that kind of stuck out was the bad cg crypt keeper head on the body um like the little person in the suit was fine but like when he's like walking towards them the actors i'm just like oh that looks bad oh this doesn't bode well and then you know i like the little kind of the cut joke they made right there when they cut over to him you know introducing the actual movie and then like as soon as it clicks into the actual movie i'm like oh this is awesome all right i'm in (laughs) And then it just goes from there and it just gets better and better. And I'm like, this is really fucking good. Because um, like I said, Bordello of Blood is not very good. And that was like my only real frame of reference for these movies. So I was like, well, this had to have been good enough to get a sequel. But it's 1995. I don't know how else is going to hold up. And it ended up holding up really fucking well. And like I said, it, yeah. it perfectly captured the feeling of an episode of the show. And I fucking love that. So. One thing that sticks with me and, and that I have an issue with is the <laughs> self-sacrifice of CCH Pounder at the end. Mm. And specifically, now on her, I can kind of, okay, like you're everyone that you know and, and care about, at least that's the way it seems. They seem very isolated. Um, is either a demon or dead. and You're missing an arm now. Um <laughs> I like I get that all this shit just went down in your house and uh, also your place of business and you know been a rough day. Yeah. Maybe it's been a really bad day. <laughs> uh, I still don't see any reason to strap it on. I don't see why not climb up, pull the pin and throw the whole thing down there. You know, it's not necessary that you be wearing it when it goes off. But you know, okay, you decided to make that choice. What the hell is up with the cop? Who has no reason in the world to He's stand behind her and just so? I mean, it's like I'm at all right. I guess I may as well blow myself up. That doesn't make any sense. No one would do that. He doesn't like, want to I, become a demon, so you know what? I don't know. I, also, I we need like, to get through the rest of these characters to kill them off, so we can get down to our final girl. That's Basically. exactly what it is, and that's to me what it feels like. It's like we'll take out two for one right now and uh, just move it fast, and that I don't like because yeah. it just doesn't. I don't believe their motivation. I don't believe them. Like, and I, I, I get it; they're throwaway characters in the end. It doesn't matter, but I don't. I I don't. Just it just seems bad, and. I mean, all right. Yeah, no one said you were going to be a demon. Give it time. I mean, he's been <laughs> fighting up until this. He's been fighting up until this point. Like he's been, you know, hanging in there. And then all of a sudden, he's just going to be like, "Yeah, well, you got that grenade thing. That sounds like a plan." I don't know. I didn't it, like. Maybe, it. maybe he's just tired, Jamie. Yeah. Maybe yeah. it's I just. I would have preferred it if they had let the demons get to them and then take them out that way, you know, or. Well, they kind of did. That thing didn't happened. make any sense. No, it is not what happened. Well, they, what well, happened I mean, they, they blow up by the time that the, the, the demons get to them. They, they could have yeah, climbed they alien up and some... down there. Yeah, yeah, based on the mythology, if his, if the seven stars on his hand align, then all six people are going are gonna to die in some way, shape, form, or fashion. So that's how the mythology goes. So it 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 so the whether whether or not, whether or not it you know. 
the way they died is that's definitely up for debate whether that's you know satisfying or not but that it was going to happen eventually in some way shape form or fashion oh absolutely yeah i don't i just don't like the fact that they did it to themselves like he just stands there it doesn't make any sense is all i'm saying and it was not satisfying i do like the right joke about the rules though just every time he he brings up the rules rules yeah Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. I did really appreciate that because they do. They're they're pretty good about like establishing what's going on, and they give us the rules of of this of what's happening. And it's just like, and the, as they continue to get more complicated, I, I just love that you know, Sadler's just at one point he's like, oh, dude, I don't know who fucking made this shit up. It's like I'm just this was what the guy told me, okay. And then Billy Zane's just like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I. I it it feels very much like you know this is a game that's been going on for a very long time right and that you're just seeing this little piece of it mm-hmm. and and there it there's just enough mythology to really get behind it but not so much that it lingers you know like right. th- those throwaways of billy zane like i know what you're saying who makes this stuff up who knows you right. know <laughs> and all that stuff is I mean, on the one hand, you could call it lazy screenwriting, but I think it's just more like that's not why we're here. Nobody right. gives a shit. Yeah, no, and so, it, it feels right for a Tales from the Crypt story that you're going to have your villain, and especially more so in the in the the TV series, the things weren't as black and white as they were in the comics. You know, the comics were very pretty strictly moral morality plays. Um, the show dealt with that too, but also kind of got a little bit more dug in a little bit more with the humor and stuff. So you got those humorous villains like that. And that feels totally natural for that show of just like, you know, your villain is Billy Zane and he's just had a shit fit outside about this cowboy bullshit. And then he's raised his army of demons. And now he's just explaining the, he's like, oh yeah, here's the shit that I had to go through to get what I want. I don't know who fucking came up with these rules. I'm just, eh, who gives a shit? You know, I just, I love the idea of the, the villain is, is kind of as perplexed by the whole situation as he as everyone else is, and he's just like, yeah, no, yeah. this is all kind of this is all kind of ridiculous, but yeah, you know, it's a living. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is very much a a sense of like I've been doing this for a while, and sometimes it's a real pain in the ass, like today, right? Um, it's like I just want to get this fucking key. And go about my business, but no, you've got to be assholes about it. Him telling Thomas Hayden Church, like, in fact, we were counting on you, weren't we, boys? And him looking around at the demons who were kind of nodding along. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, this was our guy on the inside all along. All that stuff, man, it's just so wonderful. I, th- I think this movie is is weirdly adorable yeah. in all its gory uh, atrocity. Yeah. Oh, man. So good. Hey, would you have anything else you want to bring up about this movie as we're talking about how great it is? I mean, I, I have we filleted it enough? <laughs> uh, I think so. We got we we got a we got a we got a Philly scene and a fucking impression in there. So I'm happy about that. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm trying trying to resist, but it's so hard. Just do when it. It's right there, you know. Jada mm. <laughs> <Jane of> Pinkin. <laughs> you should try the 
Devil water bleach. <laughs> It'll clean it right up. All right, that's it. That's what uh, John Justice Wheeler did after he left Twin Peaks. Right, became the devil. Yeah. And went in search of Jada Pinkett and her key. Yep. Um, <laughs> oh, like, I see everything is connected to Twin Peaks. It, man, I'm telling you. The, the the more time goes by, the more I understand that to be true. Right? The showgirls and this. See, if you, seriously, watch... if you take showgirls as being like Agent Cooper's evil doppelganger, <laughs> the events of those that movie, and you pick up, and then of course when you pick up in the fucking beginning of season three, you're like, oh yeah, okay. That's what Bob was doing yeah. for a while. Yeah. The doppelganger was yeah. just in Vegas. Yeah, that makes sense. Right? It definitely wasn't Dougie. Um, <laughs> so good oh, oh man that show was amazing oh my god oh. I, I like I, I, I've <clears throat> said it before I like I'm I there is something so cult like now about people who have been keeping up with that show mm-hmm. where it's like what do you think this is what do you what what the what do you think we're watching I don't I don't know what's happening but I love it it's it's an amazing fever dream put to film. Mm-hmm. All right, Ashley, what would you grade this film? A to uh, A through F. Oh dear. Um, I want to say A minus. Okay. Hmm. I, uh, I I don't know. I I it's I guess in a in a more emotional response from me, it would it would be like a perfect movie. But if I put my logical brain into it, and I would say a minus, it it does have it does have its hiccups, but they're very very minor. Mm-hmm. And overall, the quality in every aspect is really great. Okay, Bo. Well, unlike Ashley, <laughs> I am going to give this a minusless a. Um, yeah, I've, I. You're right. This is probably like in a perfect world. This is a B plus movie. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, but the heart wants what the heart wants. And uh, when I watch uh, Tales from the Night, uh, Tales from the Night, <laughs> Tales from the Crypt, Tales from the Demon, Crypt Night. Uh, <laughs> when I watch that movie, uh, I really I have such a wonderful time with it. I think it is that might like the one caveat is the thing of like. You have to understand there, there's a, more than a hint of misogyny underneath <laughs> some of this. <laughs> but if you can, if you can get past that, or at least acknowledge it's there right. and yes. it's a product of its time, um, I think the rest of the movie is kind of wonderful. So, uh, and I think there's something even weirdly charming about its brazen misogyny. I mean, there's no, it's just like, hey, look, everybody, boobs, yeah. and that's it. That's who these people and, are. So. And Billy Zane's lightning penis, I guess. Oh, God, I totally forgot about that. Holy yeah. shit. I... That's just how it is. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that, it, yes, that's real bizarre that, as that well. That was... I remember that scene now, and I'm just... I remember when it happened. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? And it was just like, all right, Billy Zane apparently has a lightning fire dick in this movie. Sure. All right. Why not? He's already blood fucking reagent. Sure. I'm with you, Tales from the Crypt movie. 
there is also a a thesis paper to be written about <laughs> about the scene where he uh he bathes her. I don't know what that thesis paper is about, and I don't know how to support it. I'm just saying there is one. All right. Good to know. Listeners, I'm just, there's your like, homework. Right. I'm just saying, like, listeners in college who are looking for a thesis subject, look into Tales from the Demon, Crypt Knight. <laughs> in particular, the bathing of, Bill, of Jada Pinkett by Billy Zane in apparently devil bleach water. Yes. And I think there is something there. All right. Fair enough. Jamie. Well, I was going to say B plus until Ashley brought up the lightning penis. And <laughs> then I realized that I can go no lower than a minus. All right. Yeah. I do really dig this film. I don't think it's perfect. So, um, Right. Uh, it is super fun, though. So I say A minus. Okay. I'm also going to go with an A minus on this one um, because it is super fun. I'm really glad I finally saw it. Um, yeah, I will probably pick up the uh, Scream Factory Blu-ray of this at some point because this is one I need to have in my collection. Um, this was this is one I could see myself pulling out frequently, and also bringing out with people who aren't super into horror movies, being like, "Hey." You want to watch right. a fun horror movie for Halloween? Here we go. Fucking Demon Knight. Yeah. Because I think enough people have, even even non-horror fans, still kind of have that memory of Tales from the Crypt. You know, from childhood and stuff. From People are about my age or a little bit older. Um, you know, we were kids when that first show came first came on. <clears throat> and not to mention they had the, there was a cartoon at one point. I think it was 90, 96 maybe was the cartoon. I want to say. I had to look that up. Um, and then I'm on it. There was a there was also a game show that was briefly on it. That was like '97, but um, yeah. And there were toys. God damn, the '90s were awesome. <laughs> the most inappropriate shit was maybe the ch- children's toys. It was great. Uh, it was Tales from the Crypt Keeper. Yes. Uh, which aired from '93 to '99. Oh shit! All right, it was a lot sooner than I thought. All right. Well, '93, '94, and then there was a gap and came back in '99. So okay, yeah, seasons. I do remember the uh, the '93, '94 period. Um, that was a good show. I mean, it actually wasn't that very good of a show, but I enjoyed it. You know, we were we were kind of starved for horror horror and entertainment as children back then. You got lucky occasionally. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, that's it for uh, Demon Knight. We'll be right back to close out the show. David Richardson, owner of Richardson Studio, is a postmodern surrealistic sculptor hailing from Colorado whose work has been in Gothic Beauty Magazine, Amazing Figure Modeler Magazine, and at many art exhibits across the U.S. and abroad. His works have even been recognized by the great Guillermo del Toro. He's currently collaborating with Clive Barker on a few sculpture projects, including a limited edition aluminum cast wall hanger based on Clive's 1997 sketch, V for Vice Versa, which was published within his A to Z of horror book. Just released for Halloween was a pewter skull medallion that tributes Clive's Sumi sketch and also comes in a limited edition bronze casting. They can be purchased at the official Clive Barker store. Please check out more of David's sculptures and jewelry at DaveRichardsonArt.com and follow him on Twitter at SculptorDave. 
So thank you everyone for joining us for on Devour the Podcast episode 120. It's been a ton of fun. Um, next episode we will be discussing Cherry Falls for our Hack to School special. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think we made that joke twice now because we did it with the... Uh... Oh shit, I don't remember what number episode that was, but we did uh, Return to Horror High and... Yeah, um... Is it Slaughter High? Mm, maybe I specifically re- remember, I remember Return to Horror High for sure. Return to Horror High, yeah, but I don't remember what the other movie was. Yeah, neither do I. That was a long time ago. That was that was like five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, 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 and we don't have Duncan here, who's the fucking encyclopedia devourer. Right. He could tell us what we did way better than we could. Right? <laughs> there are a couple of people out there. People, I'm telling you, people come up to me with shit all the time. Like, I remember you said that. I did. Yeah, no, that's, right? like, that's like three years ago. I have no idea. I don't even know what I said yesterday. So I need these people in my life, though. Right? They're the ones who keep yeah. me honest. <laughs> Your viewings of uh, Tales from the Night Demon Crypt, <laughs> case in point. The fact that every time you see it, it's a new experience for you. Exactly. Where you oh. have this guppy-like response. Uh, it was, I'm like uh, Dory. House Massacre. <laughs> <laughs> it was episode 24 with Sorority just House Massacre. Swimming, just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, Sorority House Massacre was a good movie. The second one, not so much. <laughs> Or no, sorry, sorry. The first one was okay. It was alright, slasher. The Where second one we? was garbage. Hmm. <laughs> I'm just fucking around. <laughs> Get it together, Jenkins. <laughs> or Jammins. God damn it. Okay. <laughs> so Ashley, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this is hopefully this has been all that you dreamed it would be. <laughs> thank you for having me. I had a lot of fun. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Also, Absolutely. when's the when when do we get the next episode of Girls Will Be Ghouls? Uh, it is we're on hiatus right now. I'm not 100% sure. But uh Zena, uh, we're both really super swamped with other projects. Um I know if if you're interested, uh Zena does have another podcast she does. It's called After Midnight. She interviews influential people in the horror community. Um from you know writers to artists of all of all shapes and sizes and professions and it's re- it's really great and she wants to be a filmmaker so she's working hard on making like films like three four films a week <laughs> I'm, wow. I'm exaggerating yeah her but... youtube channel is something yeah so she's doing a lot too so and i've got a lot of travel coming up this fall for various film festivals and things like that so that's where you'll be able to see me if you're around i'll be at axe wound in vermont and i'll be at brooklyn horror so a lot of fun awesome exciting yeah do we have anything else we need to plug um um let's see personally i don't give a shit yeah, I um, mean, you got any <laughs> furniture to sell or? <laughs> I've got, uh, it's a beautiful Queen Anne chair that. Um, no, uh-huh. I do have a new skeleton crew that's going to be coming out. We're covering Jason Goes to Hell. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> that is, uh, yeah, interestingly, um, when they first started the show, 
the, the skeleton crew that oh, way I before I was on there. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they started it with the 12 days of Friday the 13th and they skipped right over Jason goes to hell. They just said, nah, you, you know what? Made um, me so angry and about it, that? I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt. What made me so angry about no. that is like, you hate that movie. Talk about how much you hate it. That's what I wanted to hear. That would be entertaining. Wouldn't it? Exactly. I mean, you know, and so I'm actually kind of glad that they didn't because now I can. And I always have fun when I talk about that movie. Because it's amazing. But, um, so because the show is coming to an end, then, um, I mean, so for real, though, this time. Yeah. I know that we're like the Michael Jordan of, of podcasts. It's like. It's yeah, I'm like, not sure I believe you guys yet. We're retired. No, we're not. We're retired. No, we're not. Um, but. um Anyways, that they wanted to wrap, they wanted to get this in before we wrapped up, so that that way it would actually exist and it would be it would be complete. Because I guess Alex never felt like he complete, he just didn't feel complete since they skipped over it the first time. So we're gonna be doing that, and um, I think that'll be that'll be kind of funny. Um, it's like if you want to hear the Friday the Thirteenth retrospective, you know, start five years ago and then. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we skip this one and finish it up here. So, um, yeah, uh, with a whole different cast who's yeah, gone. Yeah. Uh, like Dave Z calls it the revolving door because yeah, no uh, kidding. it really is. It's 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 kind of a nut house over there. Yep. Um, but anyway, so we're doing that, and there's a new cinema beef that should be coming out, and I have two episodes of ABCs of Hidden Horror that I've been sitting on. A, waiting to release oh, yeah, it's um, a while. <clears throat> it has been a very long while and that is all my fault we have them recorded i just haven't gotten the opportunity to put them together yet mm-hmm. and um they will be coming out that we do have them i mean they're done it's just well they're recorded <laughs> they're not right. done um so as soon as i can get those out i really want to get back on with that because mm-hmm. i love that show and um I know that there are people who, a couple of people have have been asking me about the next episodes, and they're coming. They're coming. <laughs> I swear. Um, and that's uh, about it right now. I think. Okay. Bo, do you have anything you uh, want to plug? Uh, just head over to legionpodcasts.com. Uh, that's where all the stuff I do is, along with many, many, many other shows. Yep. Uh, all worthy of uh, giving a listen and uh, a, a little bit of your time too. Yeah. So. Yeah, check everything out over there. Yeah, uh, and... new VD clinic. Uh, the Stepford Wives episode is coming. I have not had the focus to edit, which is why it's been. I was I was intending to get it out like because we recorded it about a month ago, and I was like, oh, I'll get this out early, early August or whatever. Um, and it's already almost September, and I'm like, fuck. <laughs> this was supposed to have been done way sooner. Um, so that's, that was a, uh, yeah, that episode I think was, I think it got, excuse me, got better. Um, I was not in a great mood that day. Um, and Drop Dead Gorgeous was not, I didn't, didn't love that movie. Um, but Stafford Wives is really good. That's a really good book. Um, and I think, uh, I think the show picked up when we get to talking about that. Uh, and we were also our next episode, which I believe we're recording. Fuck. I need to double check. It might be next weekend. Or the weekend after. I don't remember shit. Um, we will be discussing The Gunslinger and the 1966 Django. And <clears throat> open invitation. 
Um, we will, with the gunslinger, once we finish that book or once we finish discussing that book, um, that actually kicks off our Vanessa and David journey to the dark tower series that we're starting, um, where we will be reading all eight of those books. Um, starting January oh, my 20th, Lord. yeah, January 2018, we will have, we'll be recording the, was it Drawing the Three? Whatever the second book is. Um, we'll be recording an episode for that. Uh, those will be special episodes. I will probably have a separate iTunes feed set up for those. Um, just so they don't get lost in the regular VD clinic shuffle. Um <clears throat> That's going to be fun. It's a challenge, and I'm actually kind of realizing that I signed myself up for a lot of books. Um, but I wanted to read them. And I was like, hey, Vanessa, you want to do this? And she's like, sure. And then she yelled at me because she didn't realize there were eight of them. Um, but I figured I needed somebody to talk to these, talk to about those fucking books. So, uh, and if anyone well, and uh, join that'll us, hold you <clears throat> accountable too. Yeah. So, I mean, it'll, it'll make you make sure you get through them and you know you want to yes that's the 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 running joke of of vd clinic is that the show is doing the lord's work of making us actually finish reading books because vanessa and i are notorious for starting books and then putting them down and picking something else up or at least i know i am and she's just as bad so if either of any of you three or any of your listeners actually are interested in uh tackling one of those books and you'd like to come on and discuss it with us let me know um hit me up either at hit me up on Facebook or um, shoot me an email at either my regular email sent by David gmail.com or VD clinic podcast. I think it's just pod. I think it is just pod. Let me double check. I'm such an, <laughs> I'm such an idiot. It's only your show. <laughs> I know. It is okay. Yeah. VD clinic pod at gmail.com. <laughs> See, I'm awesome. I do the same thing every time I do the fucking Twitter at the end of the show. I need to just have Vanessa record our fucking contact info so I don't have to do it like I did with Jamie. It was great. Took that shit off my shoulders. Um, anyway, so yeah. Uh, you can uh, you can count me in for the Wolves of the Cala oh, okay, cool. episode. I'm, well, that's one of my favorite books of all time. Oh, okay. I'm, 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 from what I've heard, I think that's where that, where that series starts to get real, real zany. Mm, it it takes a turn, but it's also a fantastic story. So I, I, I've read none of those Doom books. bots at some point. Those are the kings that I have never read that, and never. And I've never had interest in them. Like I, it just doesn't. That, I, that was the longest time. It was kind of how I was about it. And then I started reading Gunslinger about a year ago. I got most of the way through it. And I was like, oh, this is pretty good. And then put it down because I was pick, I was reading something else. And then pulled it out for the show and was like, all right, yeah, fuck it. Let's just do all of them. Um, or I want to read all of them. So, was a, you know, it's one of those things I'm like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. This is a thing that I want to do to say that I've been, to be able to say I read all the Dark Tower books. Good or not. I've read them all. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, that's it. Next month will be uh, Cherry Falls, like I said, and then Halloween. Our Halloween episode will be Night of the Demons, which I'm excited about. Um, I might get, try and get Mike Merriman in for that. We will see how scheduling works out. 
because um, if I don't, he will have a fucking conniption fit. He will probably come down from Sacramento to murder me. Was it yeah? Was it demons or night of the demons night that the he demons. wanted to do so badly? Okay, night then yes, please do because he's he's gonna have a coronary. Five years, that <laughs> man has asked. Hey, when are you gonna do night of the demons? Can I come on? That was a that was a running joke for a long time in SDTP. Was fucking when yeah. you guys doing night of the demons? It's like never, Mike, never, because you want to do it. That's why I'm never gonna do it. But now we're doing it, so maybe I'll bring you on. I would be oh, that would be hilarious. Do Night of the Demons and not, not have fucking <laughs> not have Mike on. Oh, I'm such a prick sometimes. Uh, anyway, as has been pointed out on every other episode of this show, as well as VD Clinic, I don't know how to end a show. So, Jamie. Yes. Say goodnight to the people. Good night to the people. Say goodnight, Bo. Good night. Say good night, Ashley. Good night. Bye, everybody. If you wish to contact Devour the Podcast, you can reach us by email at CinnabiteDave, that's C-E-N-O-B-I-T-E-D-A-V-E at gmail.com or maven1974 at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at D Delamorte, D-D-E-L-L-A-M-O-R-T-E, or maven1974. To visit the site, go to devourthepodcast.blogspot.com. And now you can leave a message on our fancy new voicemail at Everyone's a title of a good scare, good scare, good scare, good scare. I love those scary